Hey everyone, happy Tuesday night and welcome to Game Face episode 148 on Sifted Games at sifted.net. Hope you guys had a great weekend. You're ready for another great week of video games. We have a huge, huge show for you guys tonight. Uh, we have eight topics, tons of games, tons of other fun stuff to talk about. So we're not going to waste a ton of time on the intro. Just want to speak briefly about the Sifted t-shirt photo contest. It is in full swing right now. Uh, so hopefully you guys are either getting your shirts or you have your shirts, you're working on your photos. Some of the initial photos that have come up have been great. So you guys are into it, which is awesome. Uh, if, you're in, if you're overseas in Europe or Japan or wherever, and you want to get in on the competition, you literally need to buy a shirt by tomorrow. If you buy it tomorrow, you should get it in time to have maybe a day, a day and a half to get your entry in before Matt and I choose the winners on next week's show right here on Game Face. If you're in the U.S., you could probably wait until Friday and then you'd get it on Monday. Uh, but I would not suggest that. I would say for U.S. folks, if you want to be safe, I would say order them on Thursday and then you'll probably get them on Saturday. Uh, delivery in the U.S. is like two days. So thanks to everybody who's bought shirts. Uh, we're, we're just like five shirts short of breaking even. So if we can get five more people to buy shirts, I can or, or stop one, wearing this shirt. Or one person with, with four lots friends. Lots of money. Right, exactly. So I uh, hope you guys are having fun with the competition. I'm having fun checking out the stuff you guys are doing with it. Uh, so good luck. And next week on the show, Matt and I will sit here and we'll pick a winner, and the winner will get a game of their choice. Uh, let's see, anything else I need to bring up before we get going? I don't think so. No. Yeah? How's that Patreon doing? Patreon has, since last week's show, has gone up a couple hundred bucks. So thank you very, very much to people out there who uh, heard last week's show <clears throat> and uh, decided to pitch in. Um, honestly, I don't want the same people to keep just giving more money. Uh, really, our issue is we need more people because uh, I don't want to keep putting the burden on the same people to give more money to keep us going. So Maybe we um, should start giving away imaginary spaceships. Yeah. <laughs> it works you, you for make, other people. Yeah, I hear you can make some good money doing that. Uh, also, uh, a lot of you are probably ready to re-up your uh, Amazon Prime subscription to on Twitch, the Twitch Prime subscription. So all of you, you guys do it. Uh, Johnny Hurricane, thank you as always. Uh, Bats Guys, I think. Is that right? Bat Guys, thank you. Uh, Trav Hogan, thank you. Uh, I saw earlier uh, Justin Horman, thank you. You guys have all done this right as the show kicked off. So thank you guys very much. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can help us out for free uh, with Twitch Prime. All that stuff is down in the description. I don't want to sit here and kind of go through the whole thing about how it works. But you can give us a free $2.50 every month. But you have to redo it every month, which is a total pain in the butt. I get it. So anyway, we got a lot to get through. Um, I don't want the show to end up being us rushing through stuff, but it might end up that way. So my apologies in advance. We have a lot of stuff to get through in the amount of time we have for the show. So let's get straight to it. Um, our first topic this week, and you're probably not surprised, is the passing of Stan Lee. Uh, an absolute legend. Uh, when I heard the news that he had passed, I realized immediately there will never, ever be another Stan Lee. I know. The stuff that he did, it's something that one person has to do first. Mm -hmm. And he, he's done it. One person with some very talented collaborators. Oh, yeah, yeah. And look, I think a lot of people romanticize Stan Lee, and he deserves it. I mean, he should. But 
people and people often forget that there was a group of people oh, with him yeah, jack kirby, jack kirby. And steve ditko and even if ditko did go a little crazy um he had tons of great people you know working with him and, and designing these things and you know and adding to it and stuff but you know he gets a lot of the credit in part because he was very savvy about, about getting the credit uh, but also because he been around forever you know yeah. he's he's part of the comic book world and part of the part of that fandom and part of the fandom of just you know comic book related things for the his entire life you know people forget he was he was 40 when he created that stuff when he started yeah. doing the fantastic four stuff and all that in 61 like he'd already lived half his you know his life was over basically <laughs> you know, his, he'd already peaked he, he'd been in world war ii he'd done all yeah. this stuff. he'd already been married for like 15 years like you know, and suddenly he created this thing with Jack Kirby and all the other Marvel guys and uh, spent the next 50 years, you know, being part of that. So you never know. Like, you never know when, you know, uh, uh, Sam Jackson, also part of the Stan Lee's universe, uh, as Nick Fury. Stan ja Stan Sam Jackson's, like, big breakout roles were when he was 41, 42. It's true. Uh, yeah. Know, Jurassic Park and Pulp Fiction. Yep. So uh, it's never too late to, to change the world. That's right. Um, and uh, you're never too old to, you know, do what you love, I guess. Yeah, like the stand, absolutely. The stand never stopped until time stopped him. Basically. Yeah. It's, uh, I was surprised how emotional I was over his passing. Yeah, I got the... I don't think I truly appreciated him as much as I should have until he passed mm -hmm. away, and then I took a moment to kind of reflect on everything that he had done, because... I started thinking about how he and a lot of other people, obviously, were the the original people to create what a super being, a superhero looked like. Mm -hmm. So they laid down that template, and that template has been copied for. Yeah, well, the ch the change. I mean, we had Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman. You know, all those guys go back to the 39, 38, 39. Yeah. And World War Two, Captain America. Those mm -hmm. guys are from from when Marvel was timely comics back in, in the in the war. Mm -hmm. um, Stan Stan Lee's contribution was that he made them people. Mm -hmm. um, like the the superheroes in the early days, Golden Age, were more paragons. They were um, they were they got a little down. You know, early Superman. You read early Superman. Superman's down and dirty and like busting up like fraudulent bankers who were like putting up predatory loans and like <laughs> you know, he's out there. He's out there for the little guy. He wasn't busting up dark side right. and stuff. Yeah. Um, and like you know, Batman killed people. Batman early Batman. Look him up. He was killing people and like at one point he he was he nooses a guy with the bat plane and he like strangles to death hanging from his bat plane and batman didn't mean to kill him but batman goes like oh i guess he's dead well he's better off that way <laughs> and it was just like these weird sort of like you know kind of the manly men sort of um pulp tradition yeah and what stan did is he he's like these are going to be new yorkers they're going to be regular people with pro you know mr fantastic is still going to have marital issues peter parker is the amazing spider-man but he has to figure out how to pay problems, the rent yeah, and he, he has to you know, he, you know they've, they've you know it, one of the most pure expressions of why marvel's you know base concept works is actually in guardians of the galaxy volume one the first guardians of the galaxy where peter quill says i look around this room and i we you know what i see losers 
you know, people who have lost stuff. Right. And like that was that was the key to the Marvel stuff, especially early on, was they were A about something. There was always something you know, especially the X Men which were a stand in for prejudice and yeah. and bigotry. I mean, which, all which Stan stuff, always hated. Yeah, all his stuff had a message too. Oh yeah. He would always because Stan, he wanted to be a, a great American novelist. He wanted to be... That's why he wrote under a pseudonym. Yeah. Uh, a Stanley, because his real name was Stanley, I think Stanley Leibowitz or something like that. Because uh, he, he was reserving his real name for when he became a real writer. Right, yeah. But in the end, he told those stories <laughs> through uh, through these comic books. That's what he... That became his great legacy. And he, he established that idea of, you know, superheroes don't have to be these strange paragons of like... You know, and they can be. They can be that. But he made it more interesting in the sense that, like, they're just people. They're people that can do these extraordinary things. And and uh, when you kind of extrapolate that down to everyone as a person who can do at least one or two extraordinary things uh, in comparison to other people, everyone has that. And, like, you can see yourself in those characters in a way that, at the time, I think, I think Superman and Batman, a lot of those characters have evolved to, you know, adapt to that new paradigm that Stanley created over those years. But... Like, there was just nothing else like that at the time. And it also, I think, targeted a slightly older audience in that, like, an older teenager could see himself in Peter Parker in a way that maybe you couldn't get that same thing out of a Silver Age Batman comic with its weird, wacky shenanigans and talking gorillas and stuff like that. So, uh, I was a Marvel kid growing up, so... Me too, yeah. Especially from, like, hand-me-down 70s-era issues that my cousin would, would give me when he was done with them. Uh, Marvel team-ups and Spider-Man and X-Men. X-Men was my big, big thing. Um, and I credit, you know, I do credit some of that with, like, kind of instilling some elements of my moral outlook Absolutely. On the world. You're young, like, you're impressionable. And I think that's another service that he's done is provided that moral compass to mm-hmm. younger audiences without being overt about it. It's been interesting these the last 24 hours seeing the the columns that he used to write. Mm-hmm. And, Stan's soapbox. yeah. Which he really did use as a soapbox. Right. Yeah, and he talked about moral and social issues, Mm -hmm. and he talked about why all his comics had sort of not even really a hidden message, but a message. And you start thinking about all the young kids, the impressionable young kids that have read his work or or flipped through, even just flipped through his work, and how much he has influenced generations of humans. It's pretty Mm -hmm. amazing to think about. Yeah, and now look at, you know, you can go to the theater anytime, and here's here's the biggest movies of this current generation. You know, the uh, Avengers is this generation's the kids that are growing up. And that's their Star Wars. Yeah, like, and that's fifty a half century later. Like, and you start thinking, stuff still carries that kind of weight and can still be adapted in something that means something yep. to a modern audience. Yep. And you start thinking about not necessarily like Spider Man or any of the X Men or whatever, but just what they could do. Mm-hmm. And then you see how that got translated into games. For and it, they, it will be forever, oh, and, yeah. it, and I think that's the thing about Stan Lee that's different. When people die, I always, at least people I care about and prominent people that I care about, when they die, I always start to think about like what is their legacy? How long is their legacy going to last? Like me, when I die ten years later, no one will ever say my name again. That's just the way it's going to be. Stan Lee, I think, hundreds of years from now is going to be mentioned. Mm-hmm. Well. If you'd made a few cam- cameos in some of the biggest films ever made, you probably would be mentioned more often. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, but I'm saying I don't think it'll be for the cameos in the X Men movies or so just Spider Man. But I think it's I think what that will he's help. done throughout his entire career. Yeah, but you can be forgotten for those things very easily. I think the the fact that he was so visible and the fact that when today someone who was eight when they saw Avengers, uh, 
shows Avengers to their kid in 20 years. They'll, at the end of that movie where Stanley turns around and says, superheroes in New York? Give me a break. He'll say, yeah. that's the man who did all this. Yeah. And that will be, that will continue, that will go for centuries. For centuries, people watch these things and say, that's him. That's the guy who did all this. It's hard to even fathom, like, what will be happening in 200 years with as quick as mm-hmm. technology in our society is advancing right now. Yeah. Movies, But I think like that he will, will be someone yeah, that they'll always be pointed to. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and Avengers 4, maybe Captain Marvel, but probably Avengers 4, uh, will always have that for Stan. You know, in yeah. memory of Stan at the end of it. Yeah. Which is going to kill everybody. Oh, yeah. that's going to be tough. Because the end of that, that's going to be kind of a closing of the Marvel Cinematic Universe's first big three-phase arc. And you're going to say goodbye to Stan Lee at the same time. They've shot the cameo already for that. Yeah. Um, apparently, Marvel has like 10 or 11 banked already. How do you feel about that? The fact that after, now that he's mm-hmm. gone, he's going to be appearing in films for years to come. Stan would love it. Like he's, I guess that's all that matters is whether he, he knew. He I mean, he, he knew why they were shooting a bunch at once because he was old and they didn't know how how often he'd be able to do it. And, yeah. But he knew. He he knows he's an icon. I mean, there was is the argument. What was the Onion article that was like you know Stan Lee, beloved creator of Marvel comics character Stan Lee, dies at ninety five. You know. Yeah. Like he was as much a character as all these others. You can buy a Hot Toys, you know, six one six scale figure of Stan Lee. Like Stan Lee yeah. was a, a Comic Con exclusive action figure for many many multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, he loved it. He loved being that to to people. So I I don't think he'd have a problem with it at all. I think I think it's fitting that even after he's gone, he still entertains. It'd be different if they were like CG creating him to do right. that. Like but the fact that like it's, hologram concerts. Right. But the fact that, that, that it would still be like real footage of him, as long as it's real stuff that he really did in front of a camera, like I think that's fine. I think I think that's why he shot it. Yeah, I know I know he wanted it and or he wouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. I think the first couple are gonna be a little weird. Yeah. I think once you get past kind of the grease stage of somebody passing, things are a little easier. Uh, so I could see in three or four years, seeing him would be like, it'll be like a delight. You'd be like, oh, wow, there he is. But I think Marvel will have, Marvel Studios will evaluate it as it happens. Yeah. Like, and you'll be able to, you know, the, whatever his cameo is in Avengers, that'll have a big pop with the audience when that happens. Oh, people will cheer. And, um, and you'll have the dedication, I think, on that. Probably also on Captain Marvel. But, you know, Avengers is the big one. Avengers right. 4 is the big one. Yeah. And I think from going from there, and you'll pro- I think you'll probably, I think he's shot the one for uh, Spider-Man. Which comes out a month or two later. Yeah. Um. You. I think you'll probably keep that one because Spider Man was his thing. Spider Man right. was his yeah, big baby. Yeah. You know, Spider Man's the biggest thing he ever made, ever created. Yeah. So it makes sense to keep that one in there. Going forward beyond that, I think Marvel Studios will make the call as it happens. I feel like you maybe, you know, these guys aren't stupid. Kevin Feige is one of the sharpest producers ever to work in film. Um, I think uh, you know you'll you'll watch that rough cut with the cameo in it that you've banked previously, and you'll either say okay that works or it just doesn't feel right. Get rid of it. We're not going to do it anymore. Yeah. Like that's a that's a that's a decision they're going to have to make when when the time comes when that movie's you know whatever the mo- first mo- phase four movie is. Well, first phase four movie I guess is Spider Man two, but um, whatever's coming out in twenty twenty. Like they're gonna have to look at that first cut and decide what's the t- what's the temperature of the room. Yeah. Like what what is it gonna be? And they'll, I'm sure they'll they'll make the right call. Did you ever meet Stanley? I met him once uh, when he was you know he did a lot of stuff with G4 when G4 was doing all the Comic Con stuff and yeah you know he comes on stage and says hi to you know he'd say hi to everybody and I one of the times I was near the stage and I said hi and like you know 
man, I grew up reading X-Men. He's, he's like, great book, great book. <laughs> <laughs> I met him a few times, and one of my regrets is that I never got a photo with him. Yeah, I never got a photo. I don't, I don't like photos of, to get, take photos with I people. I never take photos with celebrities. Like, I just, mm. I just respect their privacy or whatever. But every time I met him, it was in a space where he was supposed to interact right. with people. And I just was just kind of in all of him, and I never wanted to bother him. Mm-hmm. And so I never, ever took a photo with him. And I definitely regret it now, especially over the last 24 hours, seeing all our colleagues who were not like me, and were like, oh, I'm getting that photo, posting their photos with him. I did talk to him several times. Yeah, like I you w- said, see, he's a very nice guy. Even if I had a photo with him, I wouldn't do that, because I think that's a little weird. It is a little weird. Like, posting weird. a selfie with Stan. I mean, it's like, look, I prove you met the dead guy. Good work. You know? I mean, is it? I mean, I was, I was in, yeah. I liked how Mark Ruffalo did it, where he posted a, a shot of Stan Lee posing with an incredible Hulk statue. Yeah. And just, it's like, like, yeah, make it about Stan Lee, not the fact that you met Stan Lee. That's a little, that's a little odd to me. Yeah. I'm not I, saying it's bad. It's not that I would have posted it. I, I just it. wish I had a photo with, with him. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I was, I was there. I did. You know, I don't take photos of things like that. I. I will say this: like seeing, like you said, it was a little disturbing watching everybody like search mm-hmm. through their photo archives and find Where's their my photo. photo. Right, yeah. exactly, and then post it. But it, it just kind of hammered the whole point home that social media is just like this narcissistic. Mm-hmm. Everybody look at me. Everybody be jealous of my life. I think that's driving a lot of kids crazy. Yeah, I also drove home that like. Do I know anyone who hasn't met Stanley? Yeah, because <laughs> like at a certain he point, he made the rounds in the. Oh, he was everywhere. Sure. Yeah. yeah, he was not an inaccessible person. Yeah, um, it's not like meeting J.D. Salinger or something. Right, right. Um, <laughs> that was a random person to pull out. <laughs> he's a, he's the opposite of Stanley. Yeah. The famous forever, lived until very recently, and was hugely reclusive. Yeah. I didn't want to go for Jack Kirby because Jack Kirby's been dead too long. Yeah, but yeah, it was a. It was a reminder to me why I don't engage on social media probably as much as I should because, mm-hmm. I don't know, I just don't want to be that way. I, I'm just not the person that's like, look at me, look at me, everybody, I have this awesome life. Like, I just, I don't know. It, it just rubs me the wrong way when I see other people do it. And like you yesterday, I was like, I don't know, you guys pulling out these photos, like, I don't know. Everybody yeah. grieves in their own way. So yeah. I try not to judge people on stuff it's, like that. It's but fine. it's just not for me. It's, it's not how I would have done it. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> As James Cameron said about Alien 3, it's not how I would have done it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what what will you, do you believe Stanley will most be remembered for ultimately? Um, like 40 years from now, what are people going to say about him? I mean, just in general, the Marvel stuff uh, in terms of like... The, what, we're, what we've been watching over the last 10 years is the Marvel characters escaping from a, what is frankly a super Superman style, escaping from what is a dying medium, yeah. comic books. The average reader of a comic book, I think it's 46 or 47. Kid, it, it, kids That's just, not it, an industry bound just, for glory. No, it just hasn't <laughs> caught on with the kids. Yeah. Uh, and... Um, you know, once our generation dies off, that's the end they're, of comic they're books. Go away, but you're yeah. seeing there'll these, be like a niche. Thing but you're still, seeing but... these characters escape, um, escape that world. They're escape. Yeah. You know, in a hundred years, the you know the Avengers and Spider Man and Wolverine and all those guys will be movie characters. The way we think of like the Lone Ranger or Tarzan or you know Tarzan right. used to be a book. No one remembers that. Yeah. Um, also because like Tarzan's such a visual kinetic idea. Why would you read a book about that? But yeah. um, you know, you want to see the man swinging through the trees. Not yeah. that. But um, that'll be what they, you know. Iron Man will be a movie character to people in you know a generation or two, and that'll be that. They'll always be here. They'll always be around. They'll be 
there'll be movies about those characters forever. In the Do same you way think? That, yeah, no question. I mean, how are they going to explain that they never die? Unless, obviously, the character is immortal, but... You either recast or you just keep... You know, We're actually about to find that out, I think. I in, mean, it's not even in, about the actor that portrays them. It's the fact that these people, while mutants, are still humans. It doesn't matter. Like, the comic books are the same. The comics has been going for 50 years and everybody's still 30. Do they never rationalize how they... Marvel Comics work on essentially what's called a sliding time scale. So essentially every five years of real time is one year in the Marvel Universe. Okay. So when the 30, I think it was when the 30 year, um, was it 30 or 35? Was it the 50th anniversary of everything, which was a few years ago, which was uh, 2011. Uh, basically they officially said the Marvel Universe has, is 10 years old. Okay. In t- the time. Like, everyone's been doing this shit for 10 years. God, you got Spider-Man it. was, like, 15 when he started, and he's 25 now. Captain America's been unthawed for a decade. Uh, you know, Tony Stark was in his 20s, now he's in his 30s. Like, basically, that's how they, di- they did okay. it. Okay. Whereas, like, DC likes to start over all the time. Marvel just sort of, like, slides the things. So, you know, like, the Punisher... All the things that happened to the Punisher have happened, except... He's not a Vietnam veteran now. He's an Afghanistan veteran. Or Tony Stark right. wasn't captured in Korea. He was captured in Afghanistan. Right, right. Like, right. like they just sort of tweak the, the, the stories of the characters to be relevant to the modern times. But everything that happened still happened. It's sort of a shared hallucination sort of thing. So I think that's what they'll do. It, well, they have two different directions they could go with that for the movies. Like, we're, and we're going to find out, I think, in Phase 4. Uh, they either keep these characters and let them age normally... Like, you have Robert Downey Jr. play Tony Stark until he's too old to want to do it anymore. Which I'm sure... Which could be about four years from now. Could be a long time. <laughs> uh, as well. I mean, he, could, he just basically becomes like a Professor X-style right. like, kind of benefactor. Right. And only right. shows up when shit gets real. Yeah. You know, that kind of... So, like, the idea would be, like, when Tony... When Iron Man, the original Tony Stark Iron Man, gets into the mix, that's your big movie. That's, like, he only shows up to blow the Death Star up. Right. Essentially. Yeah. Um... Otherwise, he's just sort of a quick cameo, like a Nick Fury kind of thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, or you periodically recast these characters as some other actor and just keep them at the same age. But I, th- I think they will probably let these characters grow old and and pass on as they need to. Think they'll kill them off ultimately? I think they will. Like, they will basically hand the man. There will always be an Iron Man, but it may not always be Tony Stark. Right. Like Tony will have a kid or whatever. Right. Have a pass kid a torch or, or, or pass it down to some other character or uh, you know that kind of or you know Spider Man. Yeah. I think you're going to tell. Well, it depends. The, the success of Venom may cause Sony to get go stupid and pull Spider Man out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe so they can make their own Spider Man movies right. and ruin that all over again. Fingers crossed, Tom Holland. I don't want that to happen to you, but it might. Just <laughs> it be might. Ready. Yeah. Um, but if they, if Sony isn't stupid and turn into arrogant Sony, like they, like sometimes they do, um, and let them continue, I think you would see Tom Holland grow into the role, become a more. You know, basically, you would have Tom Holland over the course of several movies, becoming the Spider-Man, roughly the equivalent of the Spider-Man in the Sony game, in the, right. in the Insomniac game yeah. this year, like the experienced, seasoned Spider-Man, and they've already started to set set up the Miles Morales situation by putting his uncle in uh, Homecoming. So eventually you would have Miles Morales becoming Spider-Man or be getting spider powers and that gives you the opportunity to either have people Peter won't pa- like that. Have Peter pa- Oh, people love Miles. I love him. You uh, love him. There are some people who won't. Well, those people don't matter. 
So they will. <laughs> so you just basically continue that, and either Peter Parker as Tom, Tom Holland's Peter Parker either becomes kind of the veteran hero that's helping out, or you kill him off and let Miles Morales become the new Spider-Man as time goes on. Tom Holland gets older and wants to do other things. Right. And I think you can do that with just about anybody. You know, any any mantle of a superhero can be passed on or passed down, uh, as we've seen multiple times in the comics themselves. Um, the the real issue is you know anyone you know who whosoever be worthy picks this hammer up is Thor. Yeah. You know, like any multiple characters have been Thor over yeah. the years, including a frog. So <laughs> there's a lot of options. They have a lot of options. So that's, I, uh, that's the brilliance of what Stanley created. Is it can go forever. It's, it's they're, they're modern myths. They can adapt. They can be changed. They yeah. can be shifted, and they continue to be, to be told. And one day. Maybe they reboot it. Maybe they re- do it all over again. You know, I think we're probably going to see, an, uh, you know, within our lifetime, we will see a new set of Harry Potter movies. Oh, yeah. We absolutely. will see a new set of Lord of the Rings movies. I'll be in a nursing home. Someone will be yeah. feeding me, but I'll sit but they'll, uh, <laughs> But they'll, you know, it'll happen. Like, these, these yeah. stories will continue to be told one way or the other. I think, uh, for me, <coughs> what will resonate for Stan Lee for literally centuries to come are the concepts more than the actual things that he created. Just the abilities of the characters, what superheroes look like. Um, Like you said, there was Superman and a couple others before he and his crew kind of started getting into it. But if you think about kind of the explosion of the characters and how they managed to find different ways to provide personification to all these superheroes, the abilities that they gave them, I think that's the stuff to me that's going to carry on, not just in movies, but in games as well. Like, I can see his influence in video games hardcore, and I don't think it's ever going away. And to me, I think that's going to be his lasting legacy, is how he created these core concepts or tenets that were so versatile that they were able to be disseminated out into almost any entertainment medium. Mm -hmm. And I think, to me, that's what I think he'll ultimately be known for, is creating the fantastical that had a lot of flexibility to be used across a lot of different ways and means. It's also to his credit that he was always willing to embrace new ways to present the characters. Yeah. Um, I mean, part of that is because money is good and you get paid for those things. But it's like it was great in like the PS1 Dreamcast Spider-Man game that he was the narrator. Yeah. Like he popped in just like he did in the old cartoons of Spider-Man and his amazing friends and all that stuff. He yeah. just popped in. It's like this is Stan Lee, and like here's Stan Lee narrating this freaking video game. And it's like it was kind of at the time. You know, that was like, what 98, 99. Uh, it was. It felt like a. It felt like a validation almost of like, hey, this guy who's created his characters and but he showed up and he did this for this video game like it mattered to him and, and like, that was that's impo- a good that point. was important. That's a good point because if you start looking at other luminaries in industries that don't work in games, maybe he was the Trojan horse that mm-hmm. can convince those people to go in and work on games and and honestly legitimize our industry to a great extent. A little bit, yeah. I hate to say it, but that's kind of the truth. When you start bringing in people from other entertainment mediums and they accept it, other people are more accepting of yeah. it. And obviously he was getting paid to do that. Yeah, most yeah. Of but like the fact that he was willing to do it, you know, and, and do it as himself, do it, yep. you know, you know yeah. very much his own shtick, you know, with the whole Excelsior, this is Stan Lee thing. That mattered at the time. It matters right now. Seeing people yesterday posting sort of their little mini bits of him, and almost all of them finished with Excelsior. And the first like few I saw like got me a little bit. I was like, "Yep, that's that was his thing," you know. So it sucks. Mortality sucks. Yeah, I mean, I I pretty much expected it pretty soon. I mean, yeah, we 
his wife died. Was it last year? And, and like, that always happens. They've been married since like 1948 or something. It almost always happens. Yeah. If you've been together that long, once one passes, the other almost always passes within a year. Yeah. Because, like, what do you live for after that, really? I mean, yeah. you've accomplished everything in your life, and yeah. So and yeah, there was a lot. I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of legal battles over his estate, and yeah, you know, there was a lot of. He just has one heir, right? There, yeah, but there's a lot of weird, screwy stuff going along. Well, no, he got screwed over really good throughout his life. Yeah, but this was his whole thing for the last year or so. People, like, there was a point where people, like, fr- people I know who are like, you know, personal friends and acquaintances of him, didn't know where he was. Like, weren't sure who was taking care of him, or who these people were, or, like, uh-huh. who had power of attorney over him. His his daughter was maybe trying to like steal money, or people were stealing money from her, and like. There's a, there's a lot there's a whole lot of entanglements that are going to continue to come to light I think over the over the course of the next year or two uh, in terms of how Stanley's final year played out in private which is uh, there will be sad. books and movies oh, probably sure. yeah but um, in the meantime you know he's focused on on you know what he meant to everybody and, and the importance of his contribution to just the culture in general yeah um, for me I was it's funny I was walk it was not funny but like I was walking into California Adventure, the theme park, yesterday. When my phone, you got the alert. Blew. Well, no, I got uh, one of my friends who who works for a place that does like comic book news stuff. Uh, basically, texted me and said like, I just got the I just got the alert from on high to prepare Stanley's obituary. Just so you know, like it's coming down. Yeah. And like, and then of course it started to blow up. My phone was, you know, the Twitter was alerts and everything were popping up as I walked in. And as I walked in and, and met up with my, my, you know, my sister, and like, like there's and there's Black Panther yep. meeting people. You know, that's where they do a lot of the, the meet and greet stuff yeah. with the Marvel characters now at Disneyland. And so there's Black. I'm like, look at that. You know, it's everywhere. Yeah. And I, I, right and right next to where they're rebuilding the center of the park to be Avengers Land to be. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's it's incredible. It's amazing what he's done. So Stanley, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I don't know if we'll ever really know the true measure of everything he's done. Uh, but what we do know right now, I think we, we all appreciate very much. He changed everything. He changed just comic movies. I mean, mm-hmm. that's all there is now. Like, every yeah. blockbuster is a comic book movie. Like, And then you start thinking about games and just character designs and all the artists who are going to emulate his work for centuries to come. It's just... it's gobsmacking what he accomplished so thank you and rest in peace all right let's move on we're going to talk about something a little more fun next (laughs) uh maybe i guess depending on your perspective (laughs) so this morning the nominees for the game awards 2018 were released always a to me that's always a moment where i start thinking about game of the year stuff Mm. that's i'm like all right that's coming up i gotta really start like getting my head around like what were the big games and the list is always a great way to do that it's a good way to kind of look back across the year and even if you don't agree with everything it's satisfying to see everything that came out and realize it's been another amazing year for video games so what we're going to do is matt and i we're going to go through not every category there are 23 categories uh for this year's game awards Matt and I are going to go through the vast majority of them. And we're not going to pick our winners. We're going to pick what we think the journalists are going mm-hmm. to select as the winner based upon the nominees. One thing's for sure. Apparently, I got to play Celeste. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> that game, I have not played it, but uh, yeah. it's all over these awards. And I mean, I, think, I heard the buzz, but I didn't. I guess that's part of the game of the year conversation. Now. Yeah, apparently. Um, so I'm definitely going to be giving that a go in the next month and a half or two months. 
Uh, so anyway, we're going to go through category by category, and we're going to choose what, what games we think are going to win. A couple things have changed this year with the Game Awards. First of all, there's no, like, influencer dude on camera award this year. They ditched that. Well, they more, like, split it into two. Did they? But yeah, they're now this content creator. I didn't see that. And, yeah, there's, like... Did they include them on the list that they sent out? Yeah. It was, like, uh, you don't have them on here, Because it wasn't in the list. Well, they were, there are. I, it's, like, content creator and, like, something else. Oh, really? I thought like, they had ditched it. Yeah, because what content creator is, like, a bunch of... It's, like, Ninja and Myth and a couple other people I've never heard of. It's just the usual flight of so it is Twitch the same. People. It's the same that. thing. Oh, it's I didn't just, think. I thought they got rid of it. Okay, you know, influential, influential gamer or whatever that you know, was. Whatever. Yeah, okay, it's the so same it's still thing. There. The nominees this year are are less terrible people. Looks <laughs> like, but like that, that's a problematic category has been for a long time. Like yeah. the only the only winner I think that uh, that I of that that I didn't just go like oh my god was probably Greg Miller. Yeah. Um, well, it's because like Greg, he... Greg Miller seems to be an all around pretty good dude, which. You know, well, you give an award to some of these people. Yeah, you never know what's going to happen in three months. Yeah, but I can, I can because end. a lot of them get themselves oh, sure. into all kinds. But I'll just of say trouble. straight. I mean, Ninja's going to win that. Well, yeah, like, of course. The, Who else would you give it to? No, and and that's honestly the kind of the theme that I've seen with these nominees in general. Not just the nominees, but the categories. Is mm-hmm. that it's very obvious that Jeff is trying to get the hooks into the mainstream. Mm-hmm. And get celebrities to come and musicians to come. And if not come, at least tweet about it or whatever. Because, like, half of these categories are, like, voice actors, artists, things like that. They're not mm-hmm. the usual awards that you would expect. There's not even a best graphics category. There's not. There's not, like, best first-person shooter. It's just <laughs> best action game. They're all kind of jammed in there together. So, anyway, let's get through these. Uh, there was one other change. Oh, there's no most anticipated game this year. Mm. They cut it. Sure. I don't know why. To me, that's one of the more exciting categories in the, any the most, show. When I, he asked for like you know suggestions on how to improve them after last year's show, and I think the number one was thing was get rid of most influential gamer or whatever that yeah, was. Yeah, well, which, he just changed. He the just name changed the name. <laughs> technical. He's not going to get rid of it though, because you need all that YouTubers fans yeah. to come and watch the stream. So or he maybe can say, I mean, maybe if Ninja hadn't blown up the way Ninja blew up, he wouldn't be doing it yeah. this year. You know, if there wasn't like some kind of breakout star. Oh, dude. There, there right. is nothing more important in the world to Jeff Keighley than making sure one ninja is at that show, and two, if he's not, that he tweets about it or goes on his YouTube channel and says, hey, I'm up for this award. Because he can drive literally millions of people. Well, his reach is like, what, the entire viewership plus however right. much of the last year's show? Like- exactly, yeah. So... I can understand why he's taking that angle. He needs the show to be a success. Yeah. Jeff has taken a huge risk in doing this show, so I totally, I totally get it. So we don't want to start with Game of the Year. Let's start with some of the lesser categories. We're going to skip some of these because some of them just, in all honesty, I hate to say it, aren't very interesting. Uh, but I understand why he's doing it, but it's not something that people are going to watch. Uh, best debut indie game. The nominees are Donut County, Florence, Moss, The Messenger, and Yoku's Island Express. And we'll come back after the awards, maybe the, at the last show for 2018. Matt and I will come back and we'll look and we'll see if we got these right. Mm. So, best debut indie game, Donut County, Florence, Moss, The Messenger, or Yoku's Island Express? I have no fucking idea. Don't you idea. think it's crazy that they have a debut indie game category? <clears throat> like, there are tons of sequels in the indie game. 
handy game space? There are some, but yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's funny to me that they had to create a category for indie games of debuts, and okay, sequels are okay in this one. I think that's a little weird. I, I'm going to go with Moss on this one. Sure. I have no idea. I'm surprised that they put Moss in there because it wasn't a yeah. prototypical indie game. I've only played two of these. I played The Messenger and Yoku's Island Express. Um, Yoku's Island Express is actually really good. It is really good. Yeah, but, it's like um, a pinball platformer. Yeah, it's a pinball Metroidvania. Yeah. It's, it's, it's certainly the most unique. Yeah, it's like nothing else that I've played this year. It's I cool. just, I can't think, the reason I chose Moss is because literally Moss, of all the games on this list, is the game that's been recommended to me the most times. Mm. I just, uh, maybe, I just don't I, don't, I don't know what the political situation is. You know, me, I, when I pick awards for award shows, I know it's a political, you know, or, or a, you know, there's a reason behind it that doesn't have anything to do with the quality of the item. Yeah. And I just don't know what the kind of the, the going rate on these games is among whoever's voting for these. Pick one. I don't know. I guess I'll go with Moss. I have no I'm idea. I'm surprised you can go with Yoku's Island Express. I don't know. I just talked it up. Yeah, but I don't know if that means that anybody else cares. Like, <laughs> what I think doesn't matter on this. Like, it, it, this, is, this is a weird... Who picks these? Is it like a judge panel he picks? Yeah. Like a, a I think there's some that are voted on by fans. Yeah. Well, yeah, one of... Like, usually they're very clear which ones are voted right. by fans. It's like a fan vote. Well, back thing. when we did the VGAs, it was very clearly delineated because it was sponsored. So it would be Mountain Dew... The best game from the fans or whatever. Um, all right, let's move on. Best multiplayer game. Uh, Black Ops 4, Destiny 2, Fortnite, Monster Hunter World, or Sea of Thieves? Fortnite. For if Fortnite's nominated, Fortnite is winning. That's kind of what I figured. But I would say an outside chance of Monster Hunter World, though. I wouldn't. Fortnite. Fortnite's winning everything. Yeah. Why, why is this nominated? Fortnite didn't come out this year. Uh, there's some... Fudgets going on with oh, yeah. this show. I, I thought I think Jeff came out and made some statement about how like you could choose a game of the year from a different year or something. He, he vaguely implied that like Fortnite could have been nominated for that if it got enough traction among the nominators. Basically. Right. Um, but the, I mean, Destiny Two Forsaken almost maybe because it's an expansion pack, but Fortnite. Does is not a this year multiplayer game like that. Fortnite. Doesn't... I mean, I'll pick Fortnite too. It stands out. Also, right where's away. PUBG? PUBG actually did come out this year. I know, but it got I... nominated last year. <laughs> yeah. It's too late. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Monster Hunter World wins because I, would. I know a lot of the journalists and I'm and I'm friends with them on Facebook and other social media outlets, and they <sighs> talked about it for weeks. And yeah, but weeks. I don't think that matters. It's it's Fortnite All because right. Fortnite they want. You want Fortnite to win, so all the quote-unquote supposed millions of kids that love Fortnite, they're watching your show, love your show, because you recognize that Fortnite is the best multiplayer game. Yeah. Like, that, that's not even a question. I mean, it honestly, it probably deserves to win. The, the multiplayer game I've enjoyed the most is Black Ops 4, for the record. Uh, we don't do multiplayer in our... <laughs> so hmm. I can give up that award. Uh, best sports and racing. They combine sports and racing into one category. Yeah, well, otherwise you basically just got racing. Yeah, it is motorsport, so I guess <laughs> yeah. that makes sense. FIFA, Forza Horizon 4, Mario Tennis Aces, NBA 2K19, Pro Evolution Soccer 2019. That's a tough one. Uh, I mean, obviously my pick would be Forza. I think Forza's going to win it. It might. It's either that or FIFA. It depends whether they want to go for more like a a worldwide appeal thing with FIFA. I'm like, look, we recognize the soccer game. But Forza is probably 
the most accessible and universally praised of those. So yeah. Yeah, I think the jur- the journalists have got to back up their review scores for Forza Horizon Four yeah. here. So that's why I think that it'll win. Um, best strategy game. Let's just skip that. Best family game. Skip that. That's a weird one. <laughs> Not sure why yeah. they have that in the show. Uh, best fighting game. Uh, Blast Blue, Dragon Ball Fighters, Soul Calibur Six, Street Fighter. Five. <laughs> Street Fighter Five in this. Well, because the arc- Street Fighter Five right. arcade came out this year. Still, though, that's kind well, of. Well, it's not like Blaze Blue Cross Tag Battle is a massive change <laughs> up. Right? Uh, Dragon S Dragon Ball Fighters. Yeah, easy one. That was that's definitely gonna win. Uh, and so, best role playing game is next. Now mm-hmm. let's let's say right out of the gate that they do not include action RPGs in the RPG category. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the games that are now considered RPGs are not in that category for the Game Awards. For what it's worth, I agree with them on that. Okay. It's two different things. Uh, I don't agree with that, but we have a lot Although of it does through. raise the question of why Monster Hunter World is in exactly. this category. Exactly, exactly. The other, th- the other four are definitely, I, you know, off the bat, recognize as traditionalist RPGs in a way that, like, Assassin's Creed Odyssey is not. Yeah. And I would support separating the category on that. But Monster Hunter World is an action RPG. So well, I think what it should it be like uh, I don't think it should be. There are there are all RPGs, so it should be like best turn-based RPG, best action RPG. That's basically what they're doing. Here. That's what they're trying to do. But, they, but they're calling action RPGs action adventures, right? Because you know, this this show is for you know the people who watch this show are people like us. But yeah. Jeff wants it to be. Yeah. Casual gamers and people that you know are only tangentially related to the industry, um, and most of those people are not quite going to get the distinction between an action RPG and a traditional RPG. Assuming, I don't think they'll get the assuming, anything, assuming they even know what an RPG is. Yeah, you know, exactly. a lot of people don't know that. That's really the problem, I think. Uh, so anyway, in this category, Dragon Quest Eleven, Monster Hunter World, Nino Kuni Two. Octopath Traveler or Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire. I think this is where Monster Hunter World gets its nod. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. Um, either that or I wouldn't be shocked if Octopath Traveler... Not impossible given Jeff's propensity toward favoring Nintendo. It's not even uh, that. It's just, again, it's another one of those games that I saw the journalists just gushing over on social media. Just... Yeah, but I also think like... Maybe they didn't. You know, maybe they didn't tweet about it, but I think after a couple of weeks they... Figured it yeah, out. Yeah, not a lot of these people figure, finish that game. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> so we both agree with Monster Hunter I think, World. I think it's Monster, it's Monster Hunter World's bone. Yep. No, uh, pun, no pun intended, considering how many bones <laughs> you have to harvest in that freaking game. Uh, uh, let's see. Next. And here's where we start getting into the <clears throat> categories mm-hmm. that he wants to get celebrities to the show using. Uh, but not yet. First is best action adventure game, which, as you said, a lot of the action RPGs are rolled in here. Matter of fact, they're all action RPGs except the one I think is going to win. Right. Yep. <laughs> so Assassin's Creed Odyssey, God of War, Marvel Spider-Man, Red Dead Redemption 2, and Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Yeah, and that's Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah. So can we just say right unless now... Unless they're doing the thing where the winner... We don't want to give one game all the awards. Yeah, so unless they're doing the thing where the winner of Game of the Year can't also win its individual category, in which case probably game of the god of war yeah uh i don't know might be spider-man could be i mean in the wake of stan lee maybe spider-man gets a bump that's true that's a good point although i think everything's maybe already tabulated but who knows it's not too late. who knows how that goes um they got a few weeks 
I mean, can we just say right now that any category that Red Dead Redemption 2 is in, we think it will, it will win? Unless there's a thing where they don't want to give Red Dead Redemption Game of the Year and its genre category, then yes. Yeah. If they want to split, spread out, which they might for the sake of, you know, kissing up to as many developers as possible, then I'd say God of War gets this. Yeah. Um, Red Dead Redemption 2, I think. Yeah. Uh, next... Red Dead Redemption 2 with a caveat on the rep- repetitive, you know, if they don't want to... Because we've had that thing before where, like, that's happened. I think they've done that before where it's like the game of the year didn't win its category. Yep, and, and that's you were, happened a lot. And you were like, like, how can it be the game of the year if it wasn't the it, best, best RPG, RPG or whatever? RPG. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I've ha- I went back in the VGA days. I went round and round with Keeley about this when we'd have, like, our pre-production mm-hmm. meetings. And I'm like, it doesn't make any sense. And then we would do our <clears> own game of the year awards on GT. And to be fair, people would complain. Because one game would win a ton of awards. Mm-hmm. And we'd explain it to them. They're like, oh, I get it. I just don't want to see the same game winning so many awards. It's like, why? <laughs> if it's the best game, it should win. But people tend to want to see the love spread out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I don't. To me, it's like it's the different... best game should win. I think it's two different camps and you're getting complaints one way or the other. Yeah. Um, so best action game. As I mentioned, this is where they put first-person shooters. Uh, it's Call of Duty Black Ops 4, Dead Cells, Destiny 2, Far Cry 5, and Mega Man 11. That is a really weird category. Yeah. When you have Mega Man 11 against Call of Duty, that's a really strange category. Yeah, that's a t- and Dead Cells. Like, I don't and know Dead Cells. Yeah, it's very weird. It's like kind of the catch-all. It's like, like uh, Yeah, like my guess would be Black Ops 4. Um, it's got high reviews. I don't think that matters. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at marketing potential here. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking Black Ops 4 is probably your winner, uh, or Destiny 2. I think whichever one Activision wants to win, <laughs> wins. Which, which, the way Activision is talking about Destiny right probably, now, it's Destiny. Oh, I don't know. I think it's Black Ops 4, because I think they're cutting their ties on Destiny. That, I guess that was kind of my point. I guess you're right. It's like, they have to go one way or the other with it, right? They either yeah. need to find every way to pump it up to make it more successful than it is, or yeah. just get rid of it. Or just like keep pushing Black Ops 4, because Black Ops 4 has the momentum right, right. now. So I would say Black Ops 4. Hmm. I'll go Destiny 2, just so we have one different pick. How about right. that? Uh, best VR or AR game. Astrobot Rescue Mission, Beat Saber, Firewall Zero Hour, Moss, or Tetris Effect. I'm going to guess this is Astrobot. It should be Astrobot. Not necessarily, but I think Astrobot has been pretty universally praised in the press. Uh, I'd say maybe an outside, uh, like a Dark Horse Tetris effect, because it's, it just came out. It's yeah. going to be fresh in people's minds. And it is a pretty, you know, uh, memorable game. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if the other three really have the cachet to do it. Astrobot just got praised by, like, you know, like, oh, it's VR's Mario 64 moment. It's just like the, yeah. the, the, the effusiveness around that game was so big that that would be my guess that this, that is going to get the nod on this one. Yep, I agree with you again. So here's best indie game, not just best indie debut, debut game. Yeah. Although I don't really see any sequels on this list either. Mm. <laughs> what the hell's going well, on? Well, isn't debut, like, first game from a studio? Is it? Yeah. Like it's it's like the first game made by a, a studio. Because it can't be debut. Yeah. That has to be what debut means. Yeah, it's, I think it's you're the right. studio's first game. I think you're right. So, best independent game from a studio that's made a game before. Made a game before, <laughs> yeah. This is really getting tangled up. 
Uh, Celeste, Dead Cells, Into the Breach, Return of the Obra Dinn, which apparently I need to play. Yeah, that's pretty good. I have not even touched it, but it's it's getting a lot of buzz everywhere. And The Messenger, which is also getting a lot of nominees. Mm -hmm. uh, this is Celeste, because yeah. it's the only one on that list that's nominated for Game of the Year. It's absolutely going to win. And yeah, and it's also a nominee for <clears throat> Game of the Year. Yep. So done and done, because it's not going to win Game of the Year. So. Yep. Although, who knows? The Walking Dead did win Game of the Year one year. Yeah, but so. I, The Walking Dead wasn't up against a Rockstar game. Yeah, so. that's true. Um, and now here's where we get into like the more Hollywood stuff. Best performance, best audio well, design. You're skipping games for impact. Yeah, I'm going to skip that I one. I don't know what that means. and I, I don't think know. it's games that have a cultural message. Yeah, it's like a social impact. Yeah. yeah. But like, look, I'm on board with the idea of Life is Strange being part of that, but just episode one? Yeah, just like, that one, you, Matt. How do you know <laughs> that that's going to pay off properly later? Like, okay, sure. Uh, then there's best score, best art direction, and we'll pick it up here. Best narrative. Basically, best story in a video. Just writing, basically. Yeah. Uh, Detroit Become Human, God of War, Life is Strange 2, again, episode one. Episode one. Uh, Marvel Spider-Man and Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah, it's going to be Red Dead Redemption 2, yeah. even though it should be God of War. I think that's a tough category. It is, it, well... Because I could make arguments for Red Dead, Spider-Man, or God of War. I can make arguments for everything. And there are people who will make arguments for I can for make every, arguments for everything in there except Detroit, which is ridiculous that it's even in this. I but think a lot of people will disagree with you on that one. Though. I don't think they will. Only, be, only for story, though, not for any other part of it. But a lot of people really like the story in Detroit. Well, that's their problem. <laughs> uh, so your pick was Red, Red Dead. Dead. Red Dead yeah. as well. Uh, best game direction. What does that mean? Um, I don't know. Camera angles and cinematics? No, I think I think it means like how all the pieces come together to be more than the sum of its parts kind of thing. Like the concept of the game being executed well. That would be my, my assumption. That like it's just like a, a slick total package. Or they just had to create a category they, they, so that they could get the guy from a way out to come That back. is also possible because I don't see any other reason why that game is I mentioned. To, in I this. hate to say it, but... Unbelievable! Honestly, I would not be surprised. But the game, the description of, of best game direction on this on their announcement was something about like innovation and execution, and da, da, da. it's just like it it all came together real well, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, which again, it's Red Dead. Detroit Become Human is a winner for that or a nominee I, for that. Don't look at me. Like, <laughs> maybe in my, maybe if I ran my own version of the Razzies for video games. And once again, Red Dead Redemption Two is a nominee. And I think both yeah, of us... Yeah, I don't think that's a question. It'll win again. Red Dead. Yep. Um, best not, on... Not, not me. Right. Mind you. Yeah, yeah. But... This is what we think the journalists are ultimately going to pick as the winners. Uh, best ongoing game. I guess Jeff didn't want to have a title card that said best games as a service, but that's what this category is. Yeah. Well, you had it last year, same thing. Yeah. Also, like, the on the press release, the second category listed, like, it's, yeah. like... Seems like a big... Uh, He's, well, he talked in the in the, inter the big feature article about this that ran like a week or so ago. Uh, he talked at, at length about how, you know, how awards and how Game of the Year stuff is going to have to, like, figure out how to deal with games that stay around for as long as they do because it's not like, you know, it's not like movies where there's dis there are discrete packets of time that come out every couple of years and tell a continuing story in specific chunks yeah like on you know you know no one's going to dispute that avengers 4 is a different movie from avengers 3 mm -hmm. but like people put the work of a full game development cycle into a year's worth of of a, an ongoing game 
or a game as a service, you know, then how do you recognize that? Yeah. You can't call it a new game. Nope. But you got to be, you know, so this is as good a way to do it as any at this point it's until someone comes up with a better idea. Seems like Jeff feels it's a big category. The second one listed on their press release. Well, look, if you look at, you know, the, the nominees on this are, you know... Big games. Big games that are played by a lot more people than play a lot of the games nominated for Game of the Year. You're right. So uh, Here they are, Destiny 2, Fortnite, No Man's Sky, Overwatch, and Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege. Yeah, that's Fortnite. Yep, Fortnite. I appreciate the No Man's Sky nod because they have been working very hard on making that game something special. Um, but this is Fortnite. This is where, this is where, so they can give something to Fortnite. Yep. In a high-profile category <laughs> to yep. like help close out the show. Yeah, and hopefully have Ninja show up and go on stage and all his fans tweet about the Game Awards and blah, blah, blah. And then you have that social footprint metric that you can use mm. that Jeff will be able to use when he tries to get sponsors for next year's show. Uh, and then the final category, and again, these are not all the categories. We cut a bunch of them. We just kind of chose the interesting ones, or at least the ones we thought would be of interest to you guys. The last one, Game of the Year. Nominees, six nominees, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Celeste, God of War, Marvel Spider-Man, Monster Hunter World, I'm kind of surprised to see there. Yeah, Monster Hunter World sold a lot of copies. It did, but still. Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, of course. So this is, I think, Red Dead. I would love to be surprised by God of War Spider-Man getting it, but this is Red Dead. You can't have all the journalists give a game a perfect 10 yeah. and then not give it game of the year. You just can't. It's not in my game of the year running, but uh, yeah. I, I think that is the no-brainer pick here. Undoubtedly. So lots of Red Dead, lots of Fortnite. Mm. Rockstar is still not going to show up. <laughs> That's That was actually on the drive over here. I was thinking about that. You know that Jeff is just hoping so hard that Rockstar comes to something. They never do. They never do. do. They, they never, never do. do. That that might be the one caveat that keeps Red Dead from sweeping is that if you know that you're just going to continually be giving these awards out to, to nobody, nobody yeah. that makes for a kind of a bad show. It does. So there might be an encouragement to maybe... I hate to say it, ...and run around that by giving it to people who are going to freaking get there. Who care? You know? Yeah. Because yeah. the Rockstar And, and guess who's going to be there? Sony Santa Monica and Insomniac. Oh, absolutely. They're 10 miles away. Yeah, so <laughs> they're absolutely going to be there. So, could it be a, a TGA shocker when something other than Red yeah. Dead wins? Well, I think we'll know earlier than that because you'll just see if you can catch the five second clips where they give awards out in between trailers and interviews with people screaming about the Oscars. Yeah, um, you'll be able to maybe you'll be able to take the temperature early on. I think of whether Red Dead is going to you know, whether they're giving them to Red Dead anyway. And they're just doing like a, oh, they couldn't be here, so we're accepting it in their behalf thing. Or if they're just going to like cut Rockstar out of the out of the picture because they're not going to make for good TV. Because think speak. about it. The finale of the show is game of the year. Yeah. And you go through this pomp and circumstance and then nobody comes on stage. Yeah. What do you do? You get the guy who voiced Arthur to come up maybe. And, and <laughs> they might have to do Because he'll probably like be there because he's nominated for best voice performance right. so maybe he's their stand-in yeah or something so it looks like it, red Dead's just gonna clean up that could actually be fun if like if he gets clearance from rockstar to like be the the advocate to do that and he just comes up and accepts it as arthur over and that would like, be kind of awesome well sure yeah. i mean <laughs> i we're kind of running out of space for these but yeah. <laughs> it's like, like that could be fun if they do that yeah but. so yeah i mean based upon what we're saying it's gonna be Fortnite and uh 
Red Dead Redemption tonight for the Game Awards. And they're what, December 7th? Is that right? I don't know. Early December. It's the same, Smash Brothers, the same day as Smash Brothers. Smash Brothers, yes, the 7th. Cut out of the awards because it comes out on the day the awards happen, which yeah, I guess Well, the cutoff sense. already happened, I think. Did it? End of October, I think it was. That can't be. No? Uh-uh. Well, Red Dead. Well, then how did you say they're Red already... Red Dead's on here. Oh. They must have... I don't remember what the date was then. Usually it's... It used to be for the VGAs. It was December 15th. It's way before that. Like, last year it was like November or something. Yeah. November 23rd. So Smash is out. I mean, look, clearly it's before... This, it's like sometime around now because Pokemon Let's Go isn't in here. Yeah. Not a lot of... Or maybe it just... There's not really any Nintendo in here, is there? No. I mean, that was, to me, the glaring... They, they, they threw Nintendo a couple bones, like Mario Tennis Aces. Mario Tennis a couple places. The Labo is in there for, like, best family game or something. Yeah. But, like, yeah, I mean... They gotta throw something at them, otherwise Nintendo's not gonna yeah. give them that well, Metroid I mean, Prime 4 trailer. Well, also, Keeley's no, you know, no stranger to give, showing Nintendo the love. I mean, yeah. He's, he's not... You know, if there was a Nintendo game that was worth nominating, he'd be in here. Yep. But, as It shouldn't said, be. It's not supposed to be up to him, by the way, but... Who knows how it all goes down. As we've said before, it's uh, not a great year. Yeah. I do know back in the VGA days that the the journalist voting was legit. Like it those nominees and winners were determined by journalists because I sat there and watched all mm. the emails roll into the inbox and I watched them sort through all the votes and so I know that was legit, but I haven't worked on the Game Awards to know exactly like how they're doing things. So, and I don't want to make assumptions about it either. Yeah. So, there you go. Right. Game Awards 2018 coming at you December. Apparently, 7th. we uh, the stream we lost we lost the stream during Red Dead Redemption 2 discussion again. Oh. Rockstar PR working overtime. I will say this. So, uh, not only have we been getting weird copyright notices for the first like two episodes of game face literally like three years old our first hour of gameplay from red dead redemption 2 was blocked by rockstar wow and there are people who have put up the entire game and for whatever reason rockstar zeroed in on us and and blocked Mm. didn't just like say you can't monetize this blocked the video I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if they caught wind of like our discussions and went after. I don't know. I don't, don't want to assume anything, but a little I'm, weird. I'm interested to see. I wonder if they're doing the same thing to Vic Lucas. I don't know. He put up a tweet the other day about like, well, Red Dead's officially not in my game of the year running uh-huh. for this thing. And like Rockstar sees. And it sees all. They see you. Absolutely. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Final Fantasy 15. Or I'm sorry, Tetris Effect. Hmm. Um, I didn't know if we'd ever talk about Tetris on Game Face, other than to just kind of reference it offhand. But Mizuguchi has created his own take on... And Mizuguchi, for those of you who don't know, he's the guy who created Luminous, um, Space Channel Space 5. Space Channel 5. Um, tons of like rhythm-based and Always music-based stuff. stuff, yeah. yeah. And uh, he took on Tetris. And created this crazy psychedelic VR version of the game. Matt, you've been playing it. Mm. It's been getting pretty high review scores. Not, yeah. not astronomical or sky high, but it's no cowboy game. No, it's not. Um, what? How do you feel about Tetris Effect? Oh, I get. I mean, it's basically luminous with Tetris. So, um, how, explain that though. Like it's it's that kind of big sparkly rhythm beat driven thing. You know, the music 
reacts to everything you do, whether you're moving the block or spinning the block or dropping the block or you know, matching stuff, clearing lines. Um, and you know, the, the background and the kind of the, 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 the music and the background and everything sort of um, responds as you match more and more lines and gets more and more frantic and more and more uh, you know, intricate as you go on through the level. And sounds really cool, looks really cool. Like it's you know, got like a, a, a neat sort of like aesthetic that kind of changes every time you jump to a new level. Like some, you know, there's, and like some, That's you know, very much like Luminous. Yeah, and a lot of it, you know, it has like that kind of those particle effects and all that crazy stuff, um, like you can see here. Um, it's it's worth noting that um, whoever's doing this is not very good. They're just waiting for that long <laughs> bar. Yeah. Just waiting for that one long bar to just send it down the left yeah, alley. One, one interesting thing in this game is you can save a piece. So if you see the piece, like that long um, bar that you need. No, you see the so you see the piece like in the upper left, like next to the the the, the well, as yeah. they call it. So that's your save piece. You can any if you get a piece you don't like right now, you can hit the the trigger the, the shoulder button and swap it with whatever you've got saved in the upper left. So you can do that and you can do that once per piece per drop. So you can if you get like a like one of those S pieces and you just can't figure out where you want to put it right now, you can throw it in the bin and save it until you find have a place to put it. Or if you want to save a long piece, you can uh, you can do that and have like that you know loaded up whenever you you need it to clear Tetris or that kind of thing. Um, so there's a little bit of strategy in that. That's now, cool. is there any gameplay mechanics built around music and rhythm? Like, do you get multipliers if you like place pieces on the beat or anything? Not like in that? the standard game, but there is. So there's two modes. There's um, there's like a campaign called the Journey. Where you kind of go through uh, little, little groups of, of levels that kind of go along this sort of spiraling path, and you go through all the different like backgrounds and songs, and you get you you know they get faster as you go along, and, and you see all these things as you move. Uh, some of them get pretty fast, and actually uh, beyond, I am not any kind of Tetris expert, and um, you know pretty early on they're dropping as fast as I can figure out where to put them, and it, it's it's it gets gets pretty frantic so it ramps up quick yeah i thought so but i'm not very good at tetris so your mileage may vary um i was more of a columns kid <laughs> sega um the uh and then there's another mode called um oh, i can't remember what it's called event or something like that but basically you go so you go to this mode and it shows you a giant globe picture the whole planet and you you, you put in your you pick an avatar which you can unlock 200 avatars. You start with one, a little fish. Okay. Uh, and then you put in your location, like you, you pick where you are on the globe, and then it shows you little spots of light everywhere, all over the globe, all the people playing Tetris Effect. Oh, really? And they That's glow. That's kind of cool. And so there's four different, so there's a bunch of different like permutations of the game you can play in this mode, and there's they're all color different. So there's a classic, and there's, uh, I'm not going to get them wrong, but there's, there's classic, there's adventure, there's, uh, I think there's uh, Focus, and there's Chill. And I think it's Chill. <laughs> it might be something else. But they, those are all different, four different colors. So you'll see a color on each light of, that indicates what type of mode those people are playing. Okay. So like Classic is basically Classic Tetris. So there's like yep. Timed, or there's Endless, or there's, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, focus is like you have a thing where you have to like do something specific or you have to you're concentrating on achieving a certain type of goal 
uh, adventure is like weird permutations where like there's a permutation where like there's dark blocks so you can't see them but you get points for clearing them there's one where like every seven or eight pieces you place like a long block will just drop in a random slot and you and you have to like keep clearing things while it's kind of dropping these these blocks every stuff few that you're turns. not in control of. But yeah, you can't quite. And eventually starts dropping two at a time and then three at a time and like so oh, it gets more that. and more frantic. And then <laughs> ch- and then the chill ones are essentially um, uh, they drop slow. They're they're slower and kind of like you know it's there's like a never ending mode where you just keep playing and playing and playing until you can until you fall asleep or gets too stoned to play I guess. Um, <laughs> And uh, so that kind of so there's a bunch of different things that way, and that's how you I guess how you unlock the different avatars and and things. You, you can see all your friends what level they are, kind of how you know, which is mo- based on like your score and how long you played, and you can see all their avatars sort of floating around the planet and and match yourself up with them high, their high scores on the leaderboards and stuff. So, but it's, it, that's basically what the game is: is those two things. It, so it doesn't really sound like Mizuguchi has really taught an old dog any new tricks. Well, I'd say that the permutations in event mode keep it interesting. Um, it's you're not looking at something like a re, reinvention, like like you know Tetris Attack or something like that necessarily. But it is you know very pretty, and if you have a good sound system, like the you know the, the beats are rocking, so to speak. <laughs> Uh, if, if you're into kind of the music, you know, the music uh, element of it, I think it, it pulls that off very well. I haven't played it in VR because my PlayStation VR is still sitting in the closet. Um, I'll probably pull that out in t- uh, before game of the year to play Astrobot and give some of this stuff a spin before we make some decisions. Well, it definitely wouldn't give me motion sickness. No, well, not <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Although some, you know, and there's a lot of there's a f- some fun and surprises in terms of how they approach stuff. So like a lot of it is kind of this psychedelic, you know, you know, rock and club beats sort of thing. Yeah. But it, like there was one level, like, like yeah. You know, but there was like one level I got to that was just total silence with a bunch of windmills. And every time you, I placed the pieces, a different creaking wood sound would happen. And as you, and as you matched <laughs> more and crazy. more lines, uh, as you cleared more and more lines, like the wind would pick up and the windmills spun faster, and like the the wind sound, like the the wooden creaking sounds got more and more urgent, kind of. And that was the whole level. That was the whole wow. thing. So like you clear like in the campaign, you clear like thirty six or so lines, and you usually move on to the next stage. Um, and there's usually like three three to five like escalations of the music and the stage background and stuff um if you and if you've played something like luminous or like res which is also a mizuguchi game yeah you we you, you pretty much first. know what you're t- i mean there's the the in the the effect the event mode or whatever that's called effective i can't it begins with an e i think um you uh, as you scroll through the different types there is like a, a a meditating figure there that looks almost exactly like the res no guy uh-huh um so there's a lot. There's some references to stuff like that. How much is this game? Forty. Whoa. Thirty or forty. Whoa. Oh my god. I, I think it's thirty. Are you? Fr- that's still way too much. I didn't. I didn't mind. Really, dude. It's, this game should be free. No, it shouldn't. Tetris a, is just like. There's a lot of nothing sh- now. No, there's a lot of there's a lot of work in this game and a lot of like cool cool twists on it in terms of presentation. I like it. I get that, but dude, there's no way I'm spending thirty dollars for a Tetris game. Not gonna happen. I, I don't care if it like the blocks fall out of the ceiling and land in my lap. Like I'm spending thirty bucks for a Tetris game. I don't know. I, you, you seem to be in the minority on that one. I would have thought the same until I saw a bunch of the reviews and 
Yeah, I like my I like Mizuguchi both as a designer and as a person. So do I. I know him and like I, I, I'm like all right, I'll give it a shot. I'm, yeah. I'm not even a huge Tetris person, but I'll give it a shot. But I've I've been pretty absorbed by this. I mean, it's Tetris. Tetris is great. Yeah. But it's Tetris. I can get like eight versions of this for free on my phone. Yeah, but they don't look or sound like this. Yeah. Like it's you know it's in HDR 4K. It looks really cool, and you can play it in VR if that's your thing. I would spend max fifteen dollars for this. Oh, and here's the I forgot there is the effect mode or the this focus mode or something where you, I, I always forget I have it. You, you activate it when the bar fills and basically time stops and you can just, you get basically see, you can see the counter counting up. Yeah. You get huge points based on how many lines you clear while that mode is active. So that's an, that's another permutation to it. But again, I keep forgetting I can do that. So <laughs> I just feel like Tetris has become like free, like shareware at this point. Like I'd be, would be willing to pay the $15 because I love Miz and because I want to support him, $30, no way. I would never pay that much for a Tetris game, ever. I would have 25 years ago. I don't know. What was the last good Tetris game? Tetris Attack on the DS? I mean, what is a bad Tetris game? There actually is one, but <laughs> it's hard to screw up Tetris. It's a very simple game. Yeah, That's why this, it's so great. But it's like there's a difference between, you know, some free browser version than this. Is and there like, though? Yeah. Is there a difference between that and me listening to music on my phone while I play the free browser version? I mean, in the sense that it's like nicely synced and it all has something to do with like the presentational background, sure. Yeah. But if you don't care about that, that's you don't why I pay fifteen dollars for it. But like, because <laughs> like, it's a Miz game. I don't have another version of Tetris that I can play on a modern system on my four K TV that looks like it, it was built for that. And yeah. that, that matters to some degree to yeah. me. So yeah, I, I don't. I'm just saying, from my it. perspective, I would never pay fit that much money for Tetris. I just wouldn't. I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. It does look great. I mean, it does look like the best version of Tetris from the last 10 years or whatever. Whatever that's worth. Yeah. Because um, I, I don't remember the last Tetris. It probably was Tetris Attack. Yeah. On the, on I think DS. that's the last one that actually kind of changed things a little bit. Yeah. But uh, that's a hard ask for me. 30 bucks for this. But different strokes for different folks. And the other thing, too, is that a lot of people who play games aren't our age. They weren't alive when the first crazy Tetris rush happened. I'm sure they know about it and they've heard about it, but they probably have never bought one and probably don't have one on their system. So it's not like I'm saying, like, why would they release this? That's not what I'm saying at all. But I personally, as someone who's been playing games for a really long time, I would never pay that much for mm. a Tetris game. I could, I'm assuming I could probably find a cart for my 3DS for, like, $2 or whatever. Like, I would be surprised. Or download it on the eShop for five Tetris bucks. Tetris Attack or... is not cheap now. Really? Yeah. I mean, all anything of value on a Nintendo system when it goes out of print does not get cheaper. Yeah. That's just how it goes. That's true. Um, but, I mean, my, my gold standard for Tetris remains uh, Tengen, the Tengen Tetris. Yeah, that's good. Because I thought the Nintendo one was kind of bleh. Yeah. But the, the Tengen one that they made them pull from the market, that was a pretty great version of Tetris. Yep. So there you go, Tetris Attack. We think it's thirty bucks. I think so. And it's on all platforms. It's on just about everything. Yeah, PC, Switch, PS4, Major Xbox Tom, One. Majora Tom says thirty nine ninety nine. Whoa, holy cow! For forty, yeah. I would never spend that. Some of you may. You may have never really gotten into Tetris. And I'll say this: if you've never really played Tetris, I've spent forty bucks on dumber things. Yeah, I'm sure I have too. I've, you know, if if you went with, I'm saying if I have the choice, knowing right. going in. But I'm, you know. I've paid almost that much to go see bad movies, so. But you, between you and your girl. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I've wasted copious amounts of money in my life. I'm not saying <laughs> I haven't. But in a lot of cases, it's something that happened 
where it didn't seem like I was wasting money at first, and then I ultimately did. Right. In this case, right out of the gate to me, I feel like I'm wasting money, and so I just wouldn't. Well, I promise you are not. Okay. Unless you don't like Tetris. This is not going to change your mind if you don't like I don't like know if Tetris. I've ever met somebody who said they did not like Tetris. I don't know. I think people like it more than others. I'm sure there's someone on the internet that hates Tetris. There's someone on the internet that hates everything. Guaranteed. All right, let's move on. Now we are going to talk about Final Fantasy XV. And I never thought we were going to talk about this game again because... I'm also happy about this thing because uh, I beat you to this news. You did. Absolutely. You texted me Well, the few times it. I texted Shane about something, he's like, what? Yeah. I like, yeah, I didn't even... I was busy doing other stuff. I didn't even see that it had gone through the site. So Final Fantasy XV, what should, should we start with first? First, Tabata resigned. Yes. Resigned. Right. It's, Which... Uh, Slightly implied that he resigned in the way that the Telltale staff resigned. Right. But yeah, it really doesn't seem like he resigned at all. Yeah, it seems like this was just like something... We don't know what happened, I don't think, but something happened where like... Because even if he resigns, why do you then kill the project? Because he didn't resign. Right. <laughs> he was let go, definitely. And I think we know why. It's because all the DLC was just basically canceled except for yeah. one episode. Except the one that was too far along, right. basically. The one that the next one that's supposed to come out yeah. is still coming out. And Square Enix says, oh, we're still putting all our effort into it. All the other ones... But they killed three gone. out of the four upcoming DLCs. And let's keep in mind that this DLC stuff was promoted before the game was even released. We've known about the DLC for this game forever. I, I was actually Did shocked. We? I thought this was new stuff. No, the Noctis one isn't. I know for oh. sure we knew about the Noctis episode a long time ago. Because I thought they released a whole bunch of other DLC, and then they're like, oh, wait, there's more kind of thing. It's possible. Like, I know the Noctis one we've known about for, like, ever. I've only vaguely been paying attention. Me but... too. <laughs> I actually went back and read my game eval for Final Fantasy. Yeah, I thought this was, like, I think this, today. yeah, they're saying, like, uh, Vincent's saying it was a second batch of DLC that they announced earlier this year or something. Oh, okay. Because they, they put out everything that they initially had announced was going to come out, including the patches that quote-unquote fixed the game. But I'll never know. And um, <laughs> I ain't playing that again. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, like, uh, they, then they... Because I remember they, they announced a whole bunch of other stuff, and people were like, oh, my God, they're going to keep supporting this. Like, that's amazing. So, like, uh, I mean, well, some people were it's amazing. Some of us were like, are you kidding? Yeah. Like, cut... <laughs> Cut, cut the line. You know, cut the line and fish again. Like, you're done. You screwed it up. Bring on 16. Now, Square Enix did say that the studio that basically was formed to for Tabata... Yeah, Tabata's, like, home studio, basically, they made for Yeah. It. Luminous Productions lost $33 million. Woo! Yeah. And you have Square Enix. Square Enix, no stranger to losing money. <laughs> They're not. <laughs> But they're also no stranger to not tolerating losing money either. Yeah, certainly uh, we remember what happened to Sakaguchi after the disastrous Spirits Within movie. Absolutely. Which they also set up a studio for, specifically. They they set up that uh, Hawaiian studio just to do the render farm for that. They they had a server farm in Hawaii just Just to to render render that that film. And that was going to be their whole thing. I had friends who were like... This is Square's going to revolutionize how movies are made. This yeah. is this is how gonna, how movies you know Square's going to put a be, bunch of PCs in a building. Well, because they're no, because they, <laughs> well, they legitimately thought that Square told the best stories in storytelling. Oh, yeah, like well. they thought that that was, you know, the people who made Xenogears were going to revolutionize how film was told or something. I don't know. I could never understand all that. It was also the you. I'm sure you remember this. Very few people seem to remember this. So. 
there was a behind because it's I looked for it online and it doesn't seem to exist online because I think it was only shown inside Squares Theater at E3 this one year and I, I guess it would have been 2001 or 2002. Okay. But it was a it was a it was a promo they ran because you know, remember you used to go in the dome theater oh, yeah. and like you'd just sit down and look up at the stupid dome and you'd have to watch everything in a circle. Yeah. And all that. So one of the things they ran that year in their little theater was this promo for Play Online where like. People were playing what was going to eventually be Final Fantasy XI, and it wasn't none of that was out yet. And they were they were stuck on a thing, and a big boss showed up or something. So they called like the most badass guy they knew, and like it cuts to him like walking through the streets, and he gets like a page on his pager that like no, he, I don't and he that. and he stops into like a random like square internet cafe thing and sits down and logs in on Play Online, and like he jumps into the game, and it was like, oh, he's here, great! So they go and beat the boss, and like. Basically, it, it was like this trailer that the whole point was like, play online is going to be how you play video games online in the future. Right. Like it was like, you know, it was, it was, you know, I think it was set in like 20, 2008 or something. Does it still you know? exist, play online? No. Yeah, oh, no. It was just that thing that launched with Final Fantasy XI. <laughs> Final Fantasy XI and Tetramaster, the card right. game. Yeah, yeah. And like, but it was basically like, a, like this really embarrassing live action, like promo commercial thing that like was, a, was about how like, Play online is going to be how video games are played online because that is going to define your life and all. And like you're going to have things on your pager that tell you like <laughs> your pager. What, yeah, like it's a pager, like a flip phone. You know, because it was before smartphones. And like it was, right. a, he was like getting like the you know on like a, like a little burn. It's like he had a little burner drug dealer phone for when people <laughs> called him about Final Fantasy. And like. And, he, and like he, it was literally like he's walking along and he sees, oh, look, they need my help. And he just like turns and walks into a square, right like a square play online <laughs> center kind of. Th it was like, yeah. it was just like this like level of ambition that was like, really? Like you, you think that's going to happen? Okay. You know, yeah. like it, was, it was just, it was that. And like on the heels of the failure of Spirits Within and Square's attempt to make square pictures and shit yeah. like it was just like that period where Square thought they were going to rule the world. And, and very quickly everyone was realized, like, what? Probably not. Mm, no. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Let's see how that works out for you. <laughs> so, so Tabata basically fired, let's yeah. be honest. He was fired. The studio lost $33 million, But Square Enix says that Luminous still has a huge unannounced AAA project that it's been working on. Yeah, well, that was supposed to be like Tabata. Tabata's like like pet project, right. I thought. And that's their that's Square Enix's excuse for dropping the DLC for Final Fantasy 15. It's saying mm -hmm. we needed Luminous to jump off of that and start working on this other project. Yeah, and they filed like a mass like a well, I don't remember the the specific term for it, but it's like a basically you file a thing that says we are expecting to lose a tremendous amount of money on this thing just so the government and the shareholders are all ready for this. Right. Like, yeah. it's basically a preemptive, we fucked up. <laughs> like, <laughs> buckle up here. Yeah. Like, we're, it's coming, you know? Yep. So, uh, and that, and that kind of came before Tabata and all this stuff yep. dropped. Like, it was like, like a, a day, day or two before. before. Wasn't yeah. It? yeah. So everyone's like, "Oh, I wonder what that was." And, then, and because people were wait for it. people were assuming that it just was like they lost that, that they had to lose that money because they were spending the money to set the studio up. Right. Like, it was like, "Oh, we spent we sunk that money into setting the studio up, and it will pay off, you know, in future years." But you just need to know that this is a, a thing on an our expense, it's a line right. item on our yeah. on our expenses. And then oh yeah, and then like they'd announce like a live stream that apparently turned up to be to announce this. Yeah, I know. That, 
everything was burning. Yeah. Like, it was like... It's Japan, it's man. so weird. <laughs> like, like, everyone's like, oh, there's going to be a release date. We're going to have new footage of the Noctis episode or like that. And I was like, no, it's all gone. It all, we're all dead. Like, it's yeah. all over. Like, <laughs> <laughs> please so be excited. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> so what do you, so please what? look forward to nothing. <laughs> so what do you think is going to happen with uh, Final Fantasy? So I was assuming that Tabata Studio was going to make yeah, Final Fantasy 16. 16. Yeah. I mean, I assume Final Fantasy 16 will exist in some form. I mean, do we even have point. to worry about it for another 12 years? Probably not. I mean, look, <laughs> at this point, like, if they should just concentrate on getting Final Fantasy 7 remake out, yeah. if we're honest, you know? And Nomura's going around saying, like, oh, Kingdom Hearts 3 is almost done, and then I can work on Final Fantasy 7 remake. And I was like, what have you been doing? Like, yeah, what like, the what? hell? Like, I don't think that game is nearly as far along as anyone thinks it is. Well, they've like, already had two rounds of hiring for it, public yeah. hiring. And so, yeah. Seven is way out there. Seven is next-gen material. I don't know about that. Probably like right on the borderline. It'll be a dual release where it'll come out and you'll be able to play it I think absolutely best-case scenario, it's a PlayStation 5 launch title. Yeah. I think most likely you will have, your, have had your PlayStation 5 for some time before you are playing Final Fantasy VII Remake. That's dastardly. Episode one of five. So Tabata also said he's... He has some private project he's been wanting to work on, and he wants to leave to work on that. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, who would want it's, to? It's, work it sounds with like him? that Friends episode where 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 Ross says he's gonna take a break from school and work on his music. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Tabata will be able to find work and investors soon. No problem. But like, Willie? Maybe I don't. I mean, look, look I don't know. Final Fantasy 15 was a disaster. Yeah, but he was kind of he was, he a, was brought into he was a janitor on that. He, I mean, yeah. you can only polish Nomura's turd so yeah. long until it has to come out. Right. And like, that got a lot grosser as, did, as an yeah. analogy than I really <laughs> planned it to be. But like, I had that visualization. <laughs> I did not want to have because at that point, Tabata is literally in his colon. Right. Yeah. There it goes. <laughs> Send it out. Oh, that thirteenth one is not good. Um, but the uh, so look, I, so I don't blame Tabata at all for any any shortcomings. Yeah, uh, yeah, Final it wasn't Fantasy his Fifteen fault. has because yeah. it certainly had a lot of them. Yeah. Um, but I, the people were kind of going around on Twitter like kind of I, like like tributes. To, I mean, he didn't die. Like, yeah, it's like, he's still alive. It was just like, it was like oh, Tabata, salute Tabata, and like, like has the man ever made anything good? Yeah. Because like. I don't want to be super harsh, but the guy made Crisis Core in the third birthday. Like, those games sucked. Yeah. Sorry, Crisis Core fans. It's true. Um, <laughs> but even if you love Crisis Core for some reason, you have to admit the third birthday is awful. Yeah. Like, it... it I mean, he has no pedigree, really. No. I mean, he's got a name. He's got, you know, visibility. So I think he'll still be able to find work or investors or whatever he wants to do. Um but it's weird that everybody acted like we lost some kind of right. giant he's gone, from yeah. Square's ca- <laughs> some from Square's arsenal because I mean he's basically a janitor to them. He comes in and yeah. cleans up messes. Yeah, I don't. I, I think any developer from Square Enix is going to get that treatment though. For whatever reason, the otaku just romanticize Square Enix out the. Well, I mean, I understand if someone like either was looking forward to 15 or loved 15 and like they thank him for like making sure it actually existed instead of getting canceled or came out or I mean, he he got it out. It came out. It sold 
millions of copies. It was it, like two different games stapled together, yeah, but it was, he didn't get it out. It's one of the worst things I played this generation, but it still came <laughs> out and it's harsh, still man. so I hate that game. I hated <laughs> Final Fantasy 15. But it came out and it's like the second best-selling game in the series. Like you can't argue with that. Yeah. Like I mean, it he did his job. Yeah. He did his job and he did it better than most people probably could have. So it's weird that they would basically boot him at it this is weird. point. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm sure the DLC wasn't selling too well. Even the people I know who like love that game are like, oh, I'm going to wait until it's all out and buy it as a bundle when it's on sale. I'm like, well, that's not how that's Square not, wants yeah. you to do that, nope. really. Absolutely um, not. But it's just like, just cancel the DLC and like let him make his other thing. But I mean, unless he just didn't want to do that and they couldn't come to an agreement. So they're like, okay, either put up or shut up. And he shut up, I guess. And I, don't he, know. I mean, maybe he really just did want to leave. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't talked to too many people that work at Square Enix in Japan that love their job. I hate to say it, but... I mean, may, you know, maybe he did feel like after all that work trying to save that game and making all this extra content for it and trying to make it a worthwhile thing for the sliver of people that still like it at this point, like, he was being disrespected by... Square's, you know, just kind of, you know, I don't know what the word would be, not cutthroat, but like just kind of a cold way of saying like, oh, we're just, this is not working. We're just not going to do this. So screw it. And like, maybe he couldn't take it like that. Yeah, maybe. It could be that he just doesn't, he didn't want to work there anymore. And he suddenly became the, uh, the malcontent in all the yeah. meetings, hoping to get a severance instead of just leaving. Mm, I would certainly <laughs> not blame him one bit if that's, what, if, that, if that's what happened. Um, I mean, I don't blame him for anything. For sure. He came and cleaned up a total mess, got the game out, got it to market. It was I, a, get I, it to be a sale. It was a sale success. I actually enjoyed the game, not a ton, but I actually enjoyed the time I spent with it. Um, yeah, I mean, none of it's really his fault. Obviously, we don't know what he's like to work with day to day. No. So, but um, as far as outwardly, it's really hard to put any blame at his feet. He really kind of just, like you said, he's a janitor. He came in and cleaned up a mess and. Got to market and Square Enix saying that they're not happy with the sales or whatever. It's like you need to recalibrate. Like, if you don't think you made enough money off of Final Fantasy 15 mm -hmm. and it sold that many copies, that's your problem, not when you're employees. Yeah, problem. I mean, my instinct is that they um, they threatened or tried to take his his new project away. That's possible. That like, if they set up the studio and he's like, I want to make my own thing here. And that's kind of his reward for saving Final Fantasy XV, because he did. I mean, he did, yeah. Whatever one thinks of the quality of the game, it sold better than anything except one, I don't know, I think it was 13? What was the top selling Final Fantasy? 10, I thought. 10? That makes sense, yeah. But it's like the number two or number three selling Final Fantasy game. Like, yeah. You can't argue with that. I nope. mean, you can't pin 10 years of... Ten years of bullshit waste. project waste, <laughs> yeah. which half of which was Nomura's versus thirteen debacle. And how funny is it that Square Enix put up with a decade of that crap, and now all of a sudden they have a, a short fuse? Yeah, I don't That's know where. Like, I don't know where you know. you get off like kind of you know messing with Tabata on that level, and like Nomura's still know. you know puttering away on Kingdom Hearts three. At this, I mean, if you were Sora's age when Kingdom Hearts one came out, you are going to be. 31 when you play Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> That's crazy. Like, are you kidding? That's insane. Yeah. And, or, or, uh, oh. Maybe Square Enix is trying to turn over a new leaf and it's like, look, we've been completely irresponsible in the past with our finances. We need to clean things up, square things away. And if that's the case, then I get it. Like, at a certain point, you have to say enough is enough and we need to get the people out the door yeah. that aren't completing projects on time. 
is just a little weird that they chose this time yeah. to do it. I mean, look, Kingdom Hearts... plenty of opportunity. Kingdom Hearts 2 is closer to the fall of communism than it is to today. <laughs> and Nomura's still got a job. Yeah, he does. Yep. Although, we'll see for how long. Maybe once Kingdom Hearts 3 goes out the door, <laughs> he follows the game out the door. I mean, hell, I would have been on, on board with having Tabata come in and finish Final Fantasy VII in a timely manner. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe that's what... They, I mean, I'm sure he would not have wanted to do that yeah. because then he just becomes another janitor for however long it takes to do that. Like the man, Still, the man deserves nice to paycheck. I hope, I hope <laughs> he gets like his investors or whatever he needs and can go make what he wants to make in peace and, you know, be the game developer he wants to be because it sounds like he's had a hard time of it for the last several years. Yep. Well, all that segues very nicely into our next topic, <laughs> which <laughs> Which is games discount, game discounts, games being discounted early after release, and the game that has that has kind of spurred on this this topic is Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. So Shadow of the Tomb Raider is basically on sale for half price already. Selling it was, it was already for, on sale for thirty three percent off a month after release, and now it's like you can buy it for thirty dollars mm-hmm. at some retailers. I feel like that didn't sell too well. No, it absolutely did not sell well. But what I wanted to discuss is. When is it too early to discount a game like that? Now, look, we get it. It has not sold as well as they they hoped. So they're trying to get rid of Mm. some inventory and recoup some of the money back on the game. But you got to realize that there are, and there are people on Sifted that have talked about this, there are people out there who bought this game at full price (laughs) just a month and a half ago. And now all of a sudden, somebody else who didn't have the faith in the game can go and buy it for half of that. So... People are angry, and understandably so. So, when is the right time to start discounting a game? What is the break point where people who paid full price for the game aren't going to lose their crap over the game being discounted? I think you should give it basically three months. Yeah, that's Um, what I'm thinking. Unless it's like, I don't mind if, like, say, a game comes out in October and around, like, Black Friday time, like, it's part of, like, promotions where yeah, like you yeah, yeah. buy this or this you get 33 yeah. percent off all of them if you buy three games yeah, or whatever, sure. yeah, that kind of thing like, a, like that's fine like a flash like, sale fine yeah. yeah but if you're gonna straight up be like we're cutting the price of this down for like you know but even if i mean it was just like, like there were digital sales too it was like 33 percent off shadow of the tomb raider yeah like end of october and it's like look mm, you know it's it feels like i should be you know it feels like within less than 90 days i should have some kind of like buyer protection or yeah, something you, would you think. know what i mean yeah like, it, like it's it's like, like a price match sort exactly. of thing exactly yeah like you, you know? there you would think amazon might have that actually right yeah maybe it does you can get away with that to some degree. yeah if if like if something if something drops uh, shortly after and you email them they usually will give you the discounted price yeah. if you bought it within the right amount of time i'm guessing that's like a week yeah, it's not a lot of time. Yeah. But, or, but, you know, stores will do that if they have a sudden sale on a weekend and you bought it on Friday, go in and do yeah. But, like, yeah, for, a, for a, a thing that costs as much as a video game does these, a full-price, you know, AAA video game, um, no matter how hard it bombs, I understand you need, you, you know, want to clear out stock. If you're, a, if you're, like, a physical retailer that's doing that and you're in your location or whatever, that's one thing. But this was an official across-the-board thing. Yep. And uh, it, I, like, I understand the people that are upset, but I'm a little upset by it. I bought it for full price. Yeah. I played it. I liked it. But, like, you know, as one of the few, apparently, <laughs> like, I, I am a little bit like, hey. Well, I think like, you're, you may be the few that bought it, but I don't think you're one of the few that enjoyed it. Most people yeah. I've talked to who have played the game have enjoyed playing the game. Yeah. But, I mean, it's just, 
it's it's I I get it. Like I'm I haven't complained to Square on Twitter or anything, but like I I I I am on bo- I'm silently on board with the people that are screaming about it. I think it's just it feels a little fast and it feels a little um feels a little desperate and it feels a little disrespectful to the people that were the early adopters without even giving I mean maybe if you like be like hey if you bought it for 60 bucks we're going to make the first DLC free um but what if you bought the crazy $100 version right what do you get? that's tough that's really tough um i i think this game's kind of getting a bad rap it it definitely yeah. It's better than its sales, absolutely. And I think once you see a game that gets discounted like that, you, people assume it's a bad game. Yeah. And it's not a bad game at all. In fact, the first thing that came to my mind was, when I read the Game Award nominees, was, oh man, what must the developers of Shadow of the Tomb Raider, what do they feel like right yeah, now? Yeah, it's not in there at all, is it? Not at all. Like, for anything. And you think about, you know, how much time and effort and blood sweat and tears they put mm. into this game and it just kind of it just flopped yeah and honestly I, again i am very impressed by the character animation in yeah. this game like the, some some of the presentational stuff in this uh mainly in the cutscenes, but they're still using in-game animation in a lot of it like but like, like i said at the time i'm like i have never seen throat animation yeah. and breathing animation as good as like you can tell when they're breathing in the middle of a sentence. You can tell yeah. when they're, you know, when they're breathing in or breathing out when they're thinking. Like it, you know, that doesn't happen in the in-game cutscenes so much, but in the the actual, you know, like CG stuff or the you know the the big story scenes, like that's very impressive to me. Like like that's a very hard thing to get right. The flash of the throat as someone breathes. I think one thing I would say is if you're in the market to buy a game this month or next month, if you can get Shadow of the Tomb Raider for thirty bucks, yeah. buy it. Like if you're gonna do that, it's sh- worth that, every penny. If of you're that. gonna do that Target buy two get one free thing, this is a fine one to put in Absolutely. your in your in your trio. Yeah, I think a lot of people may just assume it's a bad game. It's not a good game. That is not the case at all. No, it just it's came just out in a really busy time. Came at an awkward time, and it's just not different enough from the last one to that's its problem to make people like sit up and take notice. That's its real problem, and I think if you play it you'll see that there are differences yeah but it's really hard to get that vibe from the game watching mm-hmm. the trailers or even just listening to us talk about it yeah or... and square i don't think they did any favors to it by kind of making it another you know their, their marketing for it was very much rooted in the whole like becoming the tomb raider thing again and it's just like can you just be the tomb raider already um and she is like to, you know there's not a lot of like becoming the tomb raider origin story stuff in this she yeah. is pretty much you know, doing what she does, and she's still sort of closing out the story about her father and the Trinity thing, but, like... And ultimately, the title of the game is explained, too. Yeah. We yeah. are we are like, why do they call it Shadow of the Tomb Eventually, when you finish the game, you understand yeah. why it's called Shadow of the Tomb Raider. I'm not going to spoil it, obviously, but... So we're saying three months. Yeah, I think you let it go for a quarter before... You know, like, if this was d- December, I don't think people would be having an issue, because it's right before Christmas, it's like a last-minute shopping thing... It all kind of makes sense. You know, it's three months later. Um, you've probably played and finished it within three months. You know, that's probably the thing. It's like, there's probably people that haven't even finished the game yet, and it's already, you know, in October. It's already cut three, 33%. It's like, well, you could have just waited. Yeah. And, uh... Because there's been plenty of other stuff to <clears throat> yeah. play. It's like, you didn't need to play this right away. Like, yeah. you could have waited until January when there's nothing to play, or you could have asked for it for Christmas or for the holidays or whatever. Um, and it's, I don't think it's just video games either. I mean, 
anything I buy, I think I want I want a three month period where mm-hmm. the price isn't going to get cheaper. But that's really never the case. The yeah. way I mean, pricing in general is so fluid now. It's like this website suddenly drops something fifteen percent, then the other sites are jumping to match it. It's like yeah. Well, the the trick on that is also like usually that's more re- related to PC gaming. Um, and usually that works in the favor of the PC gamers. Like, usually that kind of price war results in people getting better deals yeah. on codes or whatever, however that happens. Yeah, that's a whole different subject. That is a whole per- different perspective, though. The perspective of the person who gets it for cheaper. Mm-hmm. Because they're, they're winning. Yeah. And so should we hate on people because they're getting it cheaper? No. Yeah. I don't it's think, not their I don't fault. I think people are upset about the people getting it for a better price. They're upset about Square officially cutting basically cutting bait that, yeah. that early yeah you know like i'll say this square enix is going forward with all the dlc for this game it's uh got like four pieces of dlc still coming in yes. fact i'm on Morgan the way over here final fantasy 15 yeah in fact on the way over here i uh got a, an alert on my phone saying i got a download code for the forge so mm. square enix is sticking with it um, i'd just like them to fix the uh collectibles yeah because i've got a i collected a whole bunch of stuff that didn't register and i loaded it up uh, after they patched it, and all the stuff is fixed in my journal that I haven't collected it, but it it shows it collected on the map, so I'd have to play the game again to, oh, to do that. it. So it's just like mm, you didn't really fix anything, guys. <laughs> yeah, screw that. Um, so yeah, I guess it's a sliding scale too, depending. It's like a car. If I buy a car, I probably want a little more time before the price drops. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of it just scales based upon the investment involved. Yeah, but your car starts losing value the instant you drive it off the lot. That's true. So. It's like if I buy a baseball cap, I'm not going to be bummed out a week later if it's $3 cheaper. Mm-hmm. But if I buy a game for 60 bucks and a month and a half later it's for half price, I'm going to be pissed. And that also impact, like say you bought it and you haven't finished it, but you are going to finish it soon. Oops, now it's worth less on trade-in. Oh, you're right. Yeah, if you got to sell it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. And there's a lot of people I know who... You know, that's their gaming budget. It's sort of like this revolving charge that account. Recycle, of, yeah. yeah. Either selling <clears> it to GameStop or Best Buy or yeah. going on eBay or whatever. Um, yeah, you got to figure eBay prices for this game now are probably at like eighteen bucks. Oh, I must be cratering. <laughs> yeah. It's bad. Square Enix seems to be in a bad spot right now. It's got Just Cause about to come out, and that yeah. game's. I mean, based upon traffic on Sifted, that game's not tracking very well. Yeah, well, I was surprised. So I played, I like Just Cause in general. Yeah. Um, it's I a fun toy and to like play with. Three, three had problems. Uh, three was, I don't like the structure of it. I don't like the upgrade system. Uh, they kept breaking the performance on PS4 every time they updated it and put a new expansion pack out. The frame rate would get worse. Um, in the end, I think it settled down into being okay, more or less. Um <clears throat> But uh, there's a lot of people that hold some serious grudge against that series, and they don't trust 4 at all to fix any of that. And the other thing, I did not realize this, but apparently Just Cause 3 started as a free-to-play game that you'd have to buy, like, basically, like, islands or something out. And and I'm like, oh, my God, that explains so much about that (laughs) game's design. (laughs) Like, I did not know that until, like, a couple weeks ago. And I'm like, oh, that everything makes sense about that game now. Like the repetitiveness, the 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 way you the upgrade grind, things, yeah. the grind on all this. I mean, wow, what a what a difference! <coughs> I'll say this, and I'm no financial advisor, and I'm certainly not Michael Pactor, but I will say, if you own stock in Square Enix, I might sell it. Yeah, 
or just batten down the hatches and prepare for a bumpy ride uh i mean yeah like i would sell it take your profits and then wait for it to drop and if you want it buy it back at a cheaper price yeah probably yeah i, mean, I, don't I think see a lot of light on the horizon for square enix right now no i think they'll bounce back eventually but well yeah of course but i mean kingdom Hearts 3 could help yeah, it's it'll January. probably it will, it's going to sell really well, but it's January. I guess it depends on how their quarters yeah. are laid out. But um, and then the next really you know light on the horizon for them is probably Final Fantasy VII remake. It is. I mean, there's not much happening. Or I mean, whatever I'm, game luminous studios or, or working when on, I, or, or if they can get any of that Marvel stuff out. Well, Matt, it's Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles on the Nintendo Switch. Oh boy. I mean, that's what we're looking at, though. They need to get that Marvel stuff out. Yeah, they sure do. Or, like, show it. I mean, all we have <laughs> is that teaser trailer we looked at. Maybe at, at the Game Awards? Will we see... That's possible. See something that's a good point. From that? It's possible. I mean, I'm sh- I bet we'll get a Stan Lee tribute. It'd be nice time to... Nice time to, to premiere absolutely some... absolutely would. Some Marvel stuff. That would tear the house down. Make it so, Jeff Keighley. You're welcome, Square. It's, it's too late for that no, now, it's not If he doesn't have it locked down, it ain't happening. Come on, Crystal Dynamics. I know you got something up your sleeve. <laughs> or like the, what, Montreal? Was it? Yeah. The, the guys who made Deus Ex? They got to be pretty far along. Yeah, you would think. But that they were, were they working on Guardians? Uh, I think they were. I wonder if Guardian. God, do you even want a Guardians move, a game out now in the wake of what happened with James Gunn? Oh, no. Oh, boy. Yeah. It's all so complicated. <laughs> all right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about yet, an, it's actually another top, it seems like in the last few months. A few downers We've here. done a lot of RIP topics, yeah. where something went away, or a game franchise died, or whatever. <laughs> Here's another one, Prima Games. You guys probably remember Prima Games. Some of you may not even know what Prima Games is, and that's kind of the point. We know Prima Games because we grew up with Prima Games, and Prima Games used to make the industry's best strategy guides. And to the best of my knowledge, Probably still does. Eh. I mean, unless you're talking about Japan, because the strategy guides in Japan are just godlike. My but... favorite strategy guides were uh, in in the, in back in the day were versus books, and in more recent times were double jump. Uh, but double... I have not bought a strategy guide since the Nintendo 64. I bought. I have a I have a box full of them, full of like collector's edition strategy guides in the garage. That that's I would Prima, really love to get rid of. That's how Prima tried to stay afloat. Yeah. It tried to create the premium product that would sell for more and create these premium guides. To me, that was the absolute wrong way to go about a pivot. It, that was its pivot. Let's yeah. make the books more expensive. Well, the, yeah, because the problem was that the internet was providing the information for free. I mean, they have been go, since going back to the old GameFAQs. Uh, website going back to before that the game facts like god i don't even know what you call it like, you could tell that into andy eddie's like yeah like server thing <laughs> and pull down text fa- like we used to do that when i was in high school like txt you, files yeah you just pull down these these files on how to do all the mortal Kombat 2 moves and stuff like that like that was that was the only way you could do it you had Dude, to the know thing with game facts is that only hardcore gamers knew about it and so a lot of the core the uh, casual folks still bought strategy guides mm-hmm. once youtube happened though that's when Prima need to, needed to realize, hey, I can see where all this is going. Yeah. We need to adjust. And so finding out that Prima was going under, I went and checked out Prima's YouTube channel because, I mean, that's where people get their strategy guides down. Yeah. You go and you watch a video on YouTube. So I'm like, surely 
they figured this out and their YouTube channel is just this awesome collection of gigantic, small, medium-sized strategy guides. Like, nope. just the pin... No. Matt, <laughs> I went there. They have 10 videos for Red Dead Redemption 2, which isn't terrible, because if you, a lot of the other games, they have, like, three. Mm-hmm. But the strategy guides for Red Dead Redemption 2 were, like, how to put things in your satchel. <laughs> Like, stuff that yeah. nobody would ever get stuck on. Oh, you said, like, the Black Ops thing? How oh, yeah. Black Ops was how to open your parachute in Blackout. Which is on screen. It just... I looked at its YouTube channel, and I was like, oh, my God. How did... I hope nobody over there is shocked that they went mm-hmm. under. Because, to me, it's clear as day. It's like, you could have. You had that cachet. You had that brand recognition. You could have created the ultimate YouTube strategy channel. And instead, it's three or four guides, quote unquote, per game. And each guide's like 90 seconds long. And it's how, it shows you how to do one thing. And it's not the one thing that everybody's confused about. It's the one thing that is so obvious that you never needed a guide for it. I, I was flabbergasted at how poorly this place was run considering where it started to where it is now. Um, you, Fortnite. I, I assume when I went there that there would be hundreds of Fortnite videos. There were like 11. Like, it's no surprise to me at all that Prima Games went under. It, it Not only did it, was it slow to realize that its product was becoming obsolete, it also was slow to realize that, hey, there's this awesome new vehicle for us to make our stuff, and it's free! And we have all this brand recognition. They could have become the definitive YouTube channel for strategy guides for games. And instead, they're going out of business. Yeah. Well, you miss them at all, Matt. I was vaguely surprised they were still around. Really? <laughs> frankly. <laughs> um, it, yeah. It's, I mean, I, I, it's, I understand the struggle of, um, you know, finding a YouTube channel that isn't like, hey guys, what's up? I'm, uh, you know, been playing this game for... It's like, they'll sit there for eight minutes. And you're like, people, I just want to know, I just want to know where the doobly-doo is. I don't want to hear you talk it. at all, in fact, unless yeah. it's telling me what to do in the video game, period. My, I will say my favorite guy, my favorite YouTube channel for that, I'll, I'll plug them, is uh, Maka's Guides. Uh, I think it's Maka91, M-A-K-A-9-1. It's literally just a header. Some girl says Macca's guides and giggles, and then they just show you the map, zoom it in, go to the gameplay, pick the thing up, show you. Yeah, there's there's time. I mean, it's it's, That's it's the way all it business. Be. It is just pure business. Very clear. Very done. Macca's guides. If they cover, I mean, they've done a lot of Red, Red Dead Redemption stuff, but they don't do every game. That's the kind of the problem. Is like like was what Prima could have been. It's like they could have had everything. They could have done every game. Yep, and, absolutely. But in, they know, also had access to all these games yeah. way earlier than anyone else. They could have been, had everything up day Their one. Print like they literally the day Red Dead Redemption Two went live. Dude, yeah, you just drop it. It's like boom. And once you've let got, me see you YouTubers mess. Yeah. like you you could have just destroyed the market. And once you've got like the once you've got like kind of the critical mass of views because you're the first cert, first only one there. Like it's the, all over. and like the algorithm does the rest of the work. Yep. Every person who needed strategy for Red Dead will be coming to you. And they didn't do any of that. Yep. 
It is mind-boggling how poorly run that company is. It's also was. amazing how, like, the thing is, you know, because I, I actually still have a shirt. I guess I should get rid of it because it doesn't make sense anymore. But I have a shirt that says, no, I don't need a strategy guide. <laughs> because back in the day when you bought a game from GameStop, they would they be, like, always ask try to push you, the strategy guide. guide. You want a guide? You want a guide? Want to sign up for Game Informer? Want a guide? I got to the point where I would <laughs> wear that shirt when I went to pick something up. And you'd see them be like, I have to ask you anyway. You know that. Right? I'm like, yes, just go for it. And look, I'll be perfectly honest with you. It's not just like gaming content on YouTube that drives me bonkers like that. It's everything. It's like some guy showing you how to change the air filter in your car. No, dude, I don't want to watch you blabber about crap I don't care about for three minutes before you show me how to change the air filter. I don't. Here's how I watch YouTube videos. They start, person looking for recognition starts blabbering. Scrub through. Wait till you get the thumbnail of actually what you want to watch. Watch them actually do it. Close video. Yeah. I don't watch any of the intro. I don't watch any of the outro. I scrub past all of it. Watch the stuff that matters and then close the video. And guide videos, same deal. If I go to a guide and it's mm -hmm. like, hey guys, I really liked playing this game and I hope... And skip, skip. Let me see. Like, people don't get it. It's like, we don't care. We don't want to hear you talk about your day before I figure out how to find this thing I've been searching for for the last two freaking hours. Like, very funny. And Prima, least of all, got it. Mm. Least of all. One thing I will say, Prima did get Let's Make Them Short because all their stuff is like 90 seconds, minute 45, something like that. But uh, it just did not produce enough of it, and it didn't produce the right content. Yeah, but like, and it's like... The, the guys they did put, I mean, they were very well done. Yeah, like, they, they were the best. They put out very, very high quality guides. Like, you know, these the people that worked for them, they were almost all freelance. But they, yep. the people that worked for them, like, put, you know, days hard. and weeks and months of their lives into this. Going to the game <laughs> developer, playing the game themselves, finding this stuff. It's the worst. You know, it's like, Re it's writing guides is, the, other than QA, is the worst gig in video games. It is. I actually was Except assigned fixing, a guide. Except fixing Final Fantasy time. 15 right. worse, <laughs> I think. I was assigned a guide one time by GameSpy. I freelanced for them for like two months at one point in my career. And uh, I literally worked on it for one day and called them and I was like, I can't do mm -hmm. this. I cannot do it. I'm like, I'm sorry. I, it's like, I think it might be the only assignment I ever took in my life that I ultimately never completed. And just called and said, I had no way. It's hard. Because what, what it was, was they were offering like $500. And I was like, wow. Are you freaking kidding me? $500? I'm like, I need to play this whole game and then basically write a book about it? And you mm -hmm. want to pay me 500 bucks? No way. Well, it's like the, you know, I worked periodically on Cheat on G4. Yeah. And like, people would always ask for, you know, more Cheat. More cheat. That was one of the highest rated they shows was, on the network. Yeah. And like, um, and it, it, just, it was always a, a struggle to impress upon uh, the higher-ups that, like, this show takes forever yeah. to make. Like, you have to get to these things and show these things, and you got to... And they got to a point where they wanted to, like, do interactive stuff, so you had to, like... They decided to start, you know, we're going to do cheats that are answers to people's, you know, questions of how do I beat this or whatever. Yeah. And, of course, they're always talking about something three-quarters of the way the end, or, to, or to the end of the game, which means you got to play through the whole thing to get to it. And, you gotta and like, you know, uh, this happened with Jeremy Hoffman, too, where he was on Cheat Forever and uh, before he went over to Game Trailers, and now at Epic, doing, yeah. doing good stuff for Epic. But um, we, we, it was this constant thing where it's like, like, oh, well, how long does it take to make it? They're like, like a week for like a two-minute segment because you want this thing that's like at the end of a 40-hour yeah. game. Like, yeah. it, 
And like you know, and periodically we do things. You know, we pick things. Like I think uh, one one year, I think 2006, we did a bunch of them. And they're like, oh, which ones do you want to do? And like, we picked stuff that we'd we could specifically do. knew we'd already played through. I, so I picked, like, I'm like, okay, I'll do you a whole episode on Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah. Because I've already finished that game. I can go to every single one, do all the time trial things, and do strategies on the time trials. Uh-huh. And, like, I already have them. Like, the save's right. there. I can just do that in a day. It took me a day to do the footage for that. Whereas, like, then to this day that happens where, like, people, you go to things like gigs I've had where, like, people are like, oh, we want to do some gaming content. Great. Well, what do you want to, well we want to do strategy, guys. I'm like, okay, that takes forever. That yeah. takes... You're talking about a team of like seven people, and like they're working like a month to get one thing out, and so and they're like, "What did I really?" It's like, "Yeah, you trust me." They're like, "We didn't want to do reviews because we thought that would take longer." I'm like, "No, not nope. remotely." <laughs> like, your your work has just begun when you finish the game. Yeah, when you're doing guides, and, and that's so- that's assuming you can even do. It's like you, to capture that. It's like you got to do it. But you also got to do it so you can clearly see what's happening. You got to do it in the case of like a, like a TV show. You're gonna have to narrate it, which means you have to do it multiple times at multiple angles, so you have something to cover the VO with. Yeah. Like it's so labor intensive. Well, it, yeah, I uh, I don't envy anyone who has no. to do guide content. I have huge respect for the guys who made those guides. Absolutely, but guys and girls Prima who made those guides is in a bind. It's watching its market share dwindle or disappear completely to YouTube or whatever. And instead of it saying, hey, we have a uniquely positioned brand that we can leverage to kind of take over this space, it instead decided to spend more money making the products it was already making, increasing its risk. Yeah, they kind of tried to turn them into almost like hybrid art like books. Like Bibles, yeah. I mean, they were like these elaborate things with these slip cases that they're just a guide. Yep. Like, some of the stuff that Prima did, like, they did some Zelda stuff that weren't even guides. Like, they kind of just got into, like, regular, like, book publishing for mm-hmm. a while. That makes more sense than, hey, let's make a strategy guide that instead of costing $8, costs $28. Uh, it was just a bad decision. So, I do have an affinity for Prima. I've spent hours and hours and hours of my life pouring over the pages of their strategy guides, but... You know, nostalgia only goes so far, and then there's reality. And the reality is it was whoever was running that place did a terrible job. And they, you know, they were the only game in town for that. I mean, because they absorbed Brady Games a while ago. A long time ago. And, uh, yeah. Double Jump was my favorite. Like, they were kind of a small town, small time outlet. They were doing, like, a lot of the X-Seed stuff. Uh The weird, like, niche Japanese things. But they did beautiful little, like, manga-style sized guides. Um, that had full color, everything went through, every, you know, there was a Disgaea one that went into detail and charts on things that, like, I just, your mind would spin. So, but those are, they're gone, too. Like, they're, you know, I think they're, pretty much all the guide companies are gone. I think point. they are all gone. I mean, it's pretty bad when the starter guide that we created for Red Dead Redemption 2 for our patrons and our subscribers was way better than anything Prima created for, for Red Dead Redemption 2. That's when you know, and maybe they knew they knew already. And yeah, so the writing might have been on the wall for a while. It's yeah. possible, and that does tend to affect motivation and work yeah. ethic and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, the people that were doing the work in the trenches, it's not their fault. Nope, they're not the ones making the making nope. the choices. Uh, like I said, whoever was running the place, the management, totally screwed everybody that was working there. So, Prima, rest in peace. It just seems like every week on this show, there's something else that's died or is died going away or fired or never merged coming or back, merged or purchased. <laughs> What is going on? I think Speaking it's just, of which, yeah, <laughs> XO18. Yep, nice segue, mm. Kyle. Yeah, 
So Microsoft brings back its X series of events uh, for this year. The last one, we never did figure out when the last one was, I don't think. Yeah, I don't know. At least 10 years ago. Something like that. That's safe to say, I think? Yeah. Yeah. And Microsoft used to do these every year when they were a new brand and they were the new kid on the block in the console space. And then once it settled into the Xbox 360 era, it was just like, well, <laughs> we don't really need to do these anymore. Yeah, I mean, they, they did a few of it. They did the, yeah. crazy, the crazy super launch for in 05, and I think they at least did a 06 and, oh, and oh, 07. Yeah. But and they so it just went sort of vanished away. Years. Yeah. Microsoft brings it back this year. We're all excited. Microsoft, as everybody knows, has kind of been on the ropes a little bit in the industry, although two episodes ago we talked about how it's risen back up. Yeah, coming and, back a little bit. And but... it's coming back. And so XO18 is announced, and we're like, well, it's on. Like, this is going to be the big blowout. You and I had a little bit of debate about what they're going to show. I was like, they're going to show Halo. Yeah. You were like, they're going to show Gears of War. Yeah, I thought the fact that they were in Mexico City, which is, you know, Mexico is the heart, Central. the heart of Gears fandom. Uh, I thought they were going to blow out the Gears stuff. Nope. nope. <laughs> it, why? Okay, let's, all right, let's run down what they showed first. And then we'll talk about why they even bothered to have this event. Yeah. So the biggest story, undoubtedly... I mean, I did think they were going to announce more developers that they'd bought, and they did. They did, yeah. And uh, that was the biggest announcement from XO18, is that Microsoft acquired Obsidian and In Exile. Yeah, um, as rumored. Yeah, as rumored. I think Obsidian, most people will know them for Pillars of Eternity, because they're the most recent games that Obsidian's worked on. But it's actually mm -hmm. been an RPG developer for a long time. I mean, Obsidian is New Vegas, and uh, did New Vegas. They did... Uh, First, of the South Old Park. South Park, the Stick of Truth. They did Knights of the Old Republic 2. Yeah. Um, got screwed on that one uh, when Lucasfilm decided to, Lucasfilm decided to put it out something like nine months early for Christmas. Yeah. And that's why Knights of the Old Republic 2 has no ending. Yeah, um, but they—I mean, they for a long time they had Chris Avalone writing for them, who I think is one of the best writers in video games. He also lashed um, out. He also not not too complimentary this these days. <laughs> he, he tweeted at Phil Spencer to like fire the managers and look at the sales <laughs> of Pillars of Eternity too. He's basically saying that Obsidian <clears throat> like doctored the books for the sales. Yeah, he, he of accused Pillars him of, of cooking the too. books on and. <laughs> He didn't let the door hit him in the ass on the way no, out. No, I. It was uh, and not, you know, and hell, he's working on you know what, uh, uh, Dying Light too. He's the narrative director for yeah. that, and so he's got he's got his own big stuff yeah, going yeah. on. You don't have to worry. He about doesn't it. need yeah. that, yeah. but like, but he it's also trying to do a public service, basically. Right, but it's also too bad because he his writing quality was such a defining element of why Obsidian was so good. Oh yeah, I mean any RPG developer. Alpha Protocol. Obsidian has has a uh, Alpha Protocol. They did that. So yeah. Obsidian has a, a reputation for. Top-notch storytelling and uh, and like decision-driven storytelling, <laughs> and just the most janky, yeah. like just needs a patch now games you've ever played. Um, South Park wasn't like that, yeah. but, but that was because of probably Ubisoft was riding riding herd on that. Oh yeah, but like Alpha Protocol, like. That was a buggy. That is, that is, there is a there underrated, is a, but there is a delicious gooey center at the middle of that game. If you can hack your way through the hole, the guns don't work properly for the first two levels <laughs> Which is of the damn thing. A bit of a stumbling block. Yeah, a little bit. But <laughs> that game, if you if you can hack your way through the jank on Alpha Pro, Alpha Protocol, there is some astounding freedom of decision. That game, like there are, two, you can do if you play your decisions right. Two playthroughs of that game can be so different; it's hard to note, like acknowledge you're playing the same game. Yeah, like, other it's, than it's, like the graphics and the level. Like Obsidian yeah. has done crazy stuff when it comes to 
player narrative choice changing the outcome. Player of things. agency. They are yeah. very good about that. I would kill to see what they would do with a fable. Um, maybe, That's a good point, actually. Maybe because not. Because my next question to you was, why did Microsoft buy these two developers? I think they need big, epic RPG, like deep, like story-driven content, and these guys do that. I mean, in, in Exile, not and Obs- flashy though. Not flashy, no. In Exile and Obsidian are basically where all the people who f- were from Black Isle Studios landed. The people who yeah. made um, Planescape Torment yep. and the Bla- the Baldur's Gates and like all I mean, classic. classic RPGs. I mean, the the Infinity Engine that gave us Icewind Dale and all the that's that all comes out of the people that work at these two studios. Um, the, the Torment these, is these are the, the NXL game most people are probably familiar yeah, with tor- now. Which was basically a spiritual successor to Planescape Torment yeah, without yeah. the D&D license. Because yeah, Planescape, Planescape is a D&D Numenera. thing. And um, they also made uh, Wasteland. Yep. Uh, Wasteland 2, rather. The, the, um, you know, the kick-started sequel to the old the game that inspired Fallout, which was made... Fallout was Fallout because they couldn't get EA to let them make a Wasteland 2. Right. Because EA owned Wasteland, so they formed this other studio and made Fallout. And so that's a lot of those same people, too. Uh, Brian Fargo and those guys um, within, is within, in exile now. So these guys are basically the, the, the kings of the Western RPG. Like, these, you know, in, in, this is like... I don't know if I'd call them the kings now. No, but they are the kings they, of, of... They what, were the first to really... The Western CRPG is defined by what these Absolutely. guys did in the 90s yeah. and the early 2000s. Yep. And um, they've, you know, they've seen a resurgence as of late because of uh, crowdfunding, allowing them to make these games that they Pillars could never... They could never yeah. Oh, yeah. Pillars was... like. These games were never going to be made by a like a normal publisher. They they'd taken these things. You know, Wasteland Unless Two. Unless you're Microsoft. <laughs> well, yeah, Wasteland Two had been shopped around to publishers all over the industry. Right. No one would take it. They put it on Kickstarter, and boom. Um, and that game was pretty good. As someone who's one of his favorite games of all time was Wasteland One. Isn't it weird though that Microsoft would buy a developer that had to go to crowdfunding to get its games made? No. No, because Wasteland Two was always going to be good. Pillars was always going to be good, but they couldn't get them made because the AAA develop AAA publishers are too stupid to see what people want. Yeah. Like that's the whole lesson of crowdfunding is like, oh, nobody makes Wing Commander games anymore because nobody likes to play. Well, Chris Roberts just made two hundred million dollars on an idea, yeah, and an alpha build of something that barely works. Yeah, like like there's a hunger for some of these things, and if you play your cards right, you can tap into that. Um, hell, even Double Fine did that with like the point. You look at where the point-and-click adventure game was nowhere yeah. t- like ten years ago, and now it's like a major genre. Again. And uh, I mean, I don't know. If so point, I think Microsoft, I don't know if point and click's a major genre. It's a major genre in the sense that like they are so- somewhat high-profile games that sell enough to keep their comp- their makers in business. I mean, that I wasn't just, a thing before. I understand that, but I just don't understand why Microsoft purchased this. That's not what Microsoft should be looking for. I think a my, game that sells enough that you don't lose money. Microsoft has continually pushed the idea that one of the things they're doing with all these developer purchases is not just buying them so they can make what they're good at making, but because they can, so they can interact with each other and bolster each other's strengths and weaknesses. It's true. And if you're bringing in, they have mentioned that you bring in Obsidian and Exile in, in Exile to kind of be story editors for your whole sort of stable of developers. You are looking, I mean, in conjunction with Ninja Theory, which also does very good narrative, I yeah. think. Um, I, you are looking at, a, at a, something of a powerhouse of, of narrative design. 
Um, well, provided that provide, they don't lose that talent, which they sure. already did lose. Well, they've still got, I mean, Chris Avalon is gone, but they still have the people, you know, Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire is still a solid game oh, in, yeah. terms, in terms of storytelling. Absolutely. It's a very specific kind of game. I feel like you're probably not going to see Pillars of Eternity 3 look like Pillars of Eternity 1 and 2. Um, I mean, but at the same time, you do have Pillars of Eternity on Xbox. You do have, um, it's Larian Studios, not one of these guys, but you have stuff like Divinity Original Sin on consoles, and they do okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I this feel- just seems like a play for PC games to me. And I don't know. I mean, obviously with the Play Anywhere initiative, PC has become increasingly important for Microsoft, but it just seems very strange that you would invest that much money into what are kind of niche genres. And I think that's what he was getting at when he was like, check Pillars of Eternity's 2 sales numbers. Like, because what happens is a lot of these games get rolled into like um, PlayStation Plus or Xbox Live, you get them for free. And then the studio will say, well, we have X number of people playing these games. They They don't say how many people paid for them or what, what the actual revenue was per game because when you give it to microsoft or sony you're actually giving it to them at a discount but hopefully you end up doing better than you would have in the long run to me that just isn't this whole environment of this isn't what microsoft should be aiming for i do hear you that these studios bring something to microsoft stable of first party studios that maybe other studios don't have i just don't know how much that like you're not going to have Obsidian like talking to 343 or whatever and telling them how to like write their story. Like I just don't think that's going to happen. I don't know. I if you know if I'm it depends how much herd Phil wants to ride over all this stuff, but I can think of way worse things to do than to have 343 send their Halo 6 script to Obsidian and oh, say look over this and give us some notes. Yeah. Because God knows they need it. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. that's what I'm th- I'm saying is like, you know, Microsoft, and maybe it won't work out. Maybe it's a bad idea, but like, that's micro- a lot of money for a freelance writer. Yeah, but that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> see, I think you, I think, particularly get too locked in on what stink- studios and people have done before with the idea that they can't do anything different. And like, Microsoft, I think, might be attempting to make some kind of like, studio like gold like the way the golden age of hollywood studio system work like kind of more like you've got all these production teams but they're all under the same banner and if we need these guys to work on this thing and do this like that's how that's going to work you know and we'll and we'll work it out maybe okay like we don't have time to do that because we're putting the finishing touches on this thing and halo 6 is just going to have to deal with it but like it just sounds really messy it could be really messy but yeah. microsoft is one of those companies that does know you know microsoft has run armies to make their Windows platforms. I mean, I'm not saying they've made great decisions, <laughs> but like Microsoft is big enough to know how to make that kind of workflow function. Um, and if they can get that off the ground and make that work, you know, be, it's kind of the opposite the way of the way Sony operates. Sony has all these great individual developers that can make their own stuff. I mean, they all, they interact. I mean, like, they share tech. They share, share tech and they yeah. share ideas, I'm sure. But like they work, you know, Sony Santa Monica does its own thing. Insomniac does its own thing. Um, but like, you know, uh, Media Molecule does its own thing. Um, it's not, not not that they're competitors or anything, but they all yeah. you know. It's it's. But I think um, Microsoft's I mean, kind of Cerny's taking, are really the yeah. common thread between all. Yeah, Cerny's sort of the brain power that, that links everything in that in that stable. But I think Microsoft might be trying to work in a more collaborative space, uh, almost an indie game kind of like you know game jam sort of idea, and who knows if that'll bear any fruit? You know, even if it or bear- if the fruit's worth eating. 
Yeah, well, the fruit. Well, there's two different things between a fruit being worth eating and a fruit being successful in market. Yeah. And now we're now we're probably talking about apples or something. <laughs> or uh, oranges. Ap- literal apples and oranges. We're literally talking but apples like, and oranges. But, but I, you know, I don't know if it's going to turn out to be a wise investment, but I appreciate what Microsoft is trying, trying. to do here. Yeah. Like, they are basically trying to build this dream team yeah. of sort of, admittedly, PC-centric developers. And you and I both know that every few years, Microsoft goes through that phase of, like, <laughs> PC gaming is really important. <laughs> and that lasts for, like, a year and a half until gone. they realize that, like, you can't herd those cats. Yeah. And... You just sort of have to let PC gaming be what it is and focus on the Xbox. Well, I also think a lot of PC gamers hate Microsoft. So. Yeah, I mean, and no one wants to go into that Microsoft store, walled garden. Like, everybody's happy over on Steam or yeah. whatever. But, like, yeah. um, they're going to try it again. If they, if they do, the, if they do the, the Play Anywhere thing for this stuff, I think the PC gamers will remain happy as long as they go too, they go into too far afield with, with you know, letting Obsidian do what they do. Um, I think a lot of it is based around the Game Pass idea. Like, you know, yeah. you're, you're, you know, it might be one thing to expect people to pay 60 bucks for an old school CRPG from Obsidian. It might be very much another if it goes up day one on day, Game Pass as well as being sold for 60 bucks. Yep. And like, you might get a lot more people willing to try that. And who knows? Like, there might be a whole bunch of people that love that type of game that have never been exposed to it because it would never occur to them to try it. But Game Pass might get them to. I think that's what they're after. Uh, Let's see other stuff. Crackdown 3 was blown out. That was the game they focused on. Please just release that game so I can stop thinking about it. Yeah, (laughs) which I mean, I guess, in hindsight... We probably should have yeah. figured out that that was the game that they were going to focus on because... I, I mean, it's coming soon. I, I thought maybe they might be wary of overexposure at this point to some degree. They did show the multiplayer, though, which... Uh, the arena mode, yeah. yeah. Which we had kind of got glimpses of before. It does look like it's all built around destruction, which was the original pitch yeah. for the game that we had wondered had kind of gone and away. they even brought up the fucking cloud thing They again. did, yeah. It looks like it's actually going to happen. <laughs> It looks like the game's actually going to come out, yeah. believe it or not. Uh, but yeah, they showed off the Wrecking Zone multiplayer. They also pushed up the release a week. Instead of delaying it a week, they actually That's moved new. it up a week. Um, so yeah, Crackdown 3 is finally coming. Um, I don't know if it's going to be worth playing when it ultimately does the Mission launch. Impossible Fallout of games. I'm just like, just come out so I never have to see your trailer again. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> How many times have we played that... Actually, that was a new trailer. That was new, yeah. But how many times have we shown that same piece of B-roll on Crackdown 3? Oh, there it is. There it is. Thanks, Sam. (laughs) That man on that roof has been on that that roof for a long time. (laughs) There may not be another video game trailer that I've watched as many times as this one in the last three years since Sifted launched. I think this is it. Look, even he's tired of looking at that explosion. (laughs) Explosion's back. I'm going to kill that guy. Oh man, this is this is what Game Face does that other shows don't. We we talk to the footage because it's all happening live. Uh, other big topics from X08: PUBG on Game Pass. Woo! That's Woo! a big deal. But it's also today it was announced that PUBG is hitting PlayStation 4 on yes. December 7th. As I thought it would. I like, mean, PUBG has had a PlayStation 4 designation on Sifted from the day it was announced mm. because we knew. That ultimately it was going to come to PlayStation 4, and finally today that designation was vindicated. It's in fact coming to PlayStation 4. It's launching December 7th. We haven't even seen it, and it's coming out in like four weeks. Yeah, well, you know what it's going to look like, though. Yeah, I'm just saying um, that. The only question is, will the frame rate be in the 20s or the teens? <laughs> yeah. That is true. PUBG, day, too late, too little, too late uh, edition. But it is, it is. is funny, though, that literally, like, 
the day that the PS4 version is announced is just a couple days later after it's announced that it's going to Game Pass. Yeah, well, I, th- I think like you know now that it's no longer exclusive, Microsoft doesn't have to lean on it. And Black, I mean, God, everyone I know who used to be a hardcore PUBG person, they're all playing Black Ops Four now. Yeah, like that. Like they got to. T- I mean, that didn't have to happen. Like PUBG, if they'd been you know not inept. Like could have staved that off in a better manner, but like everyone I know who like who played PUBG obsessively, like they got a taste of production values from Blackout, <laughs> and they are never going back. Like it's it's I've even I point blank asked them like, well, would you go back and play? They're like, no, like I Why I can't go they? back. Why I would can't you? go back now. It's like um, they might try Battlefield like when that comes out, but they are not going back to PUBG. You want to know how I can tell how many people are playing Blackout? Hmm. It's because I kick ass in Black Ops 4. <laughs> I'm not kidding. My KD in Black Ops 4 is 1.4. I've never had above like a 1.2 in any Call of Duty ever. And it's because all the best players are playing Blackout. Mm. They're not playing all the other modes anymore. I've never been this good at a Call of Duty game in my <laughs> life. I'm not kidding. I finish... Three out of four games with scores of like 24 and 8, 27 and 6. I've never played Call of Duty like this. And it's not me that's changed. <laughs> I'll tell Just you that. The good have, people aren't there anymore. My, my reflexes have not suddenly improved a great deal. It's the fact that a lot of the really good players have been pulled out of the multiplayer pool mm. and they're all playing Blackout now. So thank you. You guys can go over there and do your <laughs> Battle Royale thing. And I'll actually enjoy playing Call of Duty for the first time in like four years online. Um, sea of Thieves PvP. I don't know if that's a great idea. I, but... I, look, I would rather have like raids with where you team up. Like I've been yeah. talking about this since I saw the game for the first time. It's like... Let's get an armada of ships together and go fight this giant sea creature together and take it out. And maybe it has like 20 tentacles and one each ship takes one tentacle and you're all working together and you're on your headsets and you're like, oh, they just smashed my ship in half. And there's guys in the water and the other boats need to go and pick them up. Like there could, this could be awesome. Instead, you're just sailing in circles, shooting cannons yeah. at each other. I have to, I mean, I haven't played it since close to launch, but like, the last thing I want to do with a game that janky is try to play PvP with it. Yeah. Like, it just feels like you're going to have tons of, you know, like, I hit you, no, I didn't. Like, I hit that guy, no, I didn't. It's just, it's not the kind of content, like, that this, that I think this game needs. But, I mean, any content's good, I guess, at this point. I don't know. I got three friends on my Xbox friends list that I, you know, from my friends up in San Francisco. They play this game every night, <laughs> literally every night for hours. Like they all get to, you see them all in the same game. I'm like, a couple times I've thought about like, hey, can I get in on this and just see what it's all about? And I'm like, and then I'm just like, mm, oh, I nah. see what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're just using it as a chat room to hang out while they do pirate things. Yep, it's called Sea of Thieves Arena. It's coming in early 2019. Can't wait. I wonder how many meetings they had to have for that name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not too many. Uh, Arena is kind of the default moniker used yeah. anytime you add some kind of multiplayer to it. Well, this, could you see this bringing you back? I mean, look, no. here, here's one thing I want to say is that a lot of times, and I, it's not just me, but I do do this a lot. I will, something will be shown for the first time and I'll say, I don't really care about that because I want this. And I think that's wrong. I don't think I should do that. Mm-hmm. I think I should maybe give more credit to what they are putting in there. 
And for people who are playing Sea of Thieves a lot, this arena is going to be a big deal. Is it going to bring me back to the game? No. Is it going to bring you back to the game? No. But for the people that are yeah. playing it, this is like a game changer. Like a whole mode built around ship-to-ship combat. So while it's not something that's going to get us to re-engage with the game, it could extend the life of the game rather significantly because this is a pillar. Yeah, this I mean, isn't it just is, really a mode. This is a pillar. It's something to do, but at the same time, I know a whole lot of people that are excited about Anthem because they feel they're not wasting resources on PvP the way Destiny does. Right. So, yeah. but double-edged sword. It is. And yeah. you know what isn't a double-edged sword? A cutlass. That's true. Doesn't work that, that way. That is a one-edged sword. <laughs> uh, and then the last bit of news from X18, mouse and keyboard support for Xbox, mm. which, cycling back, ties into the Obsidian and the yeah. Exile. I think we I think we are entering another another cycle of that phase of that another round of that phase where oh the freaking words <laughs> another words. another round of that cycle where Microsoft suddenly rediscovers PC. PC gaming again. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know just don't forget when they you know sometimes that's pretty cool and sometimes you, you know the, the extra focus gets you some cool but other times it gets you vanguard. It does. So, yeah, exactly. You know, it can go either way. <laughs> so overall, I was pretty disappointed in this event. Yeah, I mean, I thought for sure they're gonna blow out the gears. I mean, they, got or show, even just show us a trailer or a concept piece from those new studios that they have, like anything. Yeah, a little bit of like, well, are we work, what are you working on? Yeah, it's like, why did you have this event? Did you have to have this event to show off what we just talked about? No, I, I feel. No. I feel like you could have done a Nintendo Direct for this. Yeah, <laughs> frankly. or just put it in there. They they did. They did like the inside Xbox yeah. thing. It's like just put that up. We're good. Like you, the money that they spent, and they all the way down in Mexico, and like I don't know. I hope a lot of people from America didn't go all the way down to this thing, hoping that it was going to be some big blowout. I mean, I didn't think it was going to be like E three two or anything, but it didn't even have any like real like business announcements or anything. it wasn't no, like other than like, the a, like a new twist on game pass or a new like xbox live is gonna do this now or there was nothing you know they i guess they they sure pushed a lot of annoying updates of that avatar up uh, creator thing yeah have you made your new avatar yet yeah i did he's riding a, a magical unicorn <laughs> um, my avatar now doesn't look anything like me the old system, I literally was able to make a character that looked just like me. Yeah, mine this new look, one, mine nope. does look tremendously like me, but it's it's fine. I kind of, I mean, I my old one was in an animated Batman outfit, which I thought was cooler than. Well, this, I loved what I loved about me the, on a horse, you know. I mean, I'm sure the new ones are going to have this too. But what I loved about the old ones was when you would get like a prop. So right. certain games, if you get an achievement, it would give you like a little prop. And I think I had like a portal cube one. Yep. Where like the cube would like come out and fold out and like you can like your avatar was like doing things with stuff. Yeah, I had a Batman one and it had like a like some kind of Marvel. Th- I don't remember what the character was, but some Marvel thing. Because I like, oh, I'm gonna make Batman do a Marvel thing. And I had another one that had like a remote controlled like something that would like buzz around my. Feet. I was like a remote control. They had a remote control war- warthog. That's what I, it was. I think. Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, there's some fun stuff in there, but like I've seen some of my friends when they pop up on the you know whoever is is on or whatever stuff like they some of them have used it. And most the the main difference seems to be that all their all my friends' avatars that have used the new avatar system, they look pretty much the same. They just more accurately f- reflect their current weight, <laughs> which at least means I've got a lot of honest friends. <laughs> that, That's true. 
That's absolutely true. So yeah, XO18, kind of a wash. Yeah. Think they'll do it next year? Maybe. I don't, I mean, I bet they'll have more to show next year with all these new developers maybe, but like, I don't it know. It just kind of came and went. And... I, don't, I don't know how to gauge the success of this or not. You know, maybe. Well, engagement, social engagement. I, I mean, guess. traffic on Sifted for the stuff was well, okay. I mean, I guess kind of depends how they feel about the, the, you know, how it went at the venue, I guess. Yeah, you're probably right. That's probably a big part of it. Um, and may, if they do do it next year, maybe they just bring it to the U.S. instead of going I don't know. international. Yeah. It always has kind of been international, though. Yeah, even it's, way it's back been in all the day. over the place. Yeah. yeah. So do it in Guilford. Yeah, <laughs> I was just I don't know with the momentum that Microsoft and Xbox was having right now. I just I think my expectations were just way higher. I didn't have much higher expectations, but my expectations were just very different. I did they, they didn't focus on what I thought they would. Yeah. Um. I but you know. I just figure if you're holding it in the capital of Gears fandom, you should probably talk, talk about, about Gears. Gears. We should probably be talking about Gears anyway by now. Yeah. We should know a lot more than we do. All right, let's move on to the last topic of this week's show. We're going to talk about Hitman 2, arguably the biggest game released <clears throat> this week. Yeah. I would say. Yeah, I, yeah, I, would, I would agree with that. Um, here's what I would say about Hitman in general. It's one of those franchises that I am never excited to play. Like, when they put out the first trailer for Hitman 2, I watched it, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. The last Hitman, like, I ended up actually, like, paying someone else to write the eval for that. But oh, what happens is I'm not excited for it, and then I play it, and I get sucked into it. Yeah, I, I don't like most of the Hitman games. Uh, I played the early ones a little bit, and then I played Blood Money, and I didn't like it, and I played Contracts, and I didn't like it. I played Absolution, and I really didn't like it. Um, but then I and I skipped the last one, the, the adjectiveless one. Reboot, basically, one. yeah. Yeah, except it's not a reboot. It's not. It's, it's yeah. still it's in continuity. <laughs> it's just, he's yeah. like 45 now. <laughs> right. Like, the man is genetics like you wouldn't believe. He'll look the same for 30 years. Um, <laughs> but like... Well, once you shave your head, you never yeah, age, right? Yeah, <laughs> But, so, I didn't, I skipped the last one because, A, I thought the episodic thing was annoying, and B, I'm just not a Hitman fan. But I did play it a, a while back, the, the prologue part, like the tutorial mission part. Of the first? Of the first one. Okay. On, um, like, when they did, like, a free weekend or something with Steam or something like that, and I played it, I'm like, I thought that was, I thought it was pretty good. So, I, in a way that I didn't feel I liked the other ones. And so, I went ahead and I dove in on Hitman 2 on Xbox um, the full thing, everything. I bought. I also got the. Yeah, you get the original game with it, right? Uh, it's like twenty bucks more. Okay. Uh, or if you already own the first game in its entirety, you get it automatically. So it's a. They call it remastered, but basically it's the it's the all the levels and everything of the last of the previous game, brought into this game and like with the new some of the new abilities and and gameplay systems added on. Okay. Which are improvements, I would say, for the most part. Not that I can super compare because I didn't play much of the first one. So so I'm like playing the first one in the second, in the second one now. Yeah. I played the like the prologue and the tutorial and the first mission of the second one and then I went back and started playing the first one's stuff again. Are you going to continue with the first one before yeah, or play I mean, more in the second? Keep going. Because the thing is you can get through them pretty fast because like you, you know, all you need to do is complete each assassination once and you can move on to the next thing. It could take you a whole day to do all the assassinations and challenges in one level, but it'd probably take you less than a day to get through the whole game. 
um, the, the, the meat of the game is repeating each level like seven, eight, 20 times. Finding different ways. And finding to, different ways to do yeah. various things, finding little things. You know, there's, sometimes there's secret challenges where like, it'll just show a picture of a thing in the level and like give you like a hint through the title of the challenge and it's just like, you know, redacted. Like you have to just figure out. Like in the, uh, to, to use one from the first game where people have probably already played it, um, there's a picture of a fountain from the first, the, fir the first real level, not the tutorial, but the first yeah. real level in Paris. There's a picture of a fountain and it says, be careful what you wish for. And there's no description. And the, the challenge turns out to be to throw, because you, you throw coins to uh, distract people in the game. And the challenge is to throw a coin in the fountain. Into the fountain, yeah. Um, you know, and, there's, or, and so stuff like that. So you have to find things in the level and you can find little things in the level that can like, you know, unlock new story. So the thing that I like about this, this game, and this was true of the first game and the new game, the Hitman 2, is um, I always felt a little lost in the games. I always felt like the games were sort of like happening around me and I didn't know what to do. And like, Not keeping up, it would kind of like missing your opportunities. Yeah. And, so yeah. the two things that, th that this game does that I feel make it better, and I'm, I wonder if there are Hitman, hardcore Hitman fans that feel like it ruins the game, but like to it's me possible. it makes it more playable. <laughs> Um, but I, so it does two things. It, first it has like, it's called like stories. It's called mission stories where like, they'll have a little thing that's like, you can overhear people saying something that will tell you like, oh, mission story unfolding. And you like get information from people and then you can kind of track that story and it'll kind of mark things to tell you like, oh, you should do this next and this next and this next. And like, there's tons of different ones, like things, little narrative threads that weave their way through each level. And you can like, you overhear guys talking about like, I'm going to keep using the first game stuff just to not spoil okay. any of the Hitman 2 stuff. Good idea. Um, so, like in, so, like, you'll hear guys at the party, waiters, talking about how to make this weird drink. One of your, your tar, one, you have two targets. One of the targets, like, has this drink he likes. And you'll find out, oh, you'll say, well, we got to make it, I guess. And you'll follow the guy in and, you know, knock him out, take his clothes like you do. Uh, it's all about disguising and, and using disguises to kind of like get places you're not supposed to be, which I, I do enjoy that. And you can go through the, the kitchen area and find the recipe for the drink. You go up, go pretend to be a bartender, make the, bar, make the, the, the drink, and poison it. And so the guy will come along and drink his drink, and then there's two there's lethal poison and uh, emetic poison. Emetic poison just makes them throw up. So if you poison some of them with lethal poison, they just drop dead and, you know, everything goes crazy. And you basically have to hope nobody thinks you're the one who did it. Right. Um, and emetic poison is useful because they will make them sick and they'll run to a bathroom to throw up. And you can follow them into the bathroom and drown them in their own vomit, which is... <laughs> The, I actually uh, remember that from that That's the only like other the, the only problem already. with that is that sometimes you have to take their clothing and I feel like I would not drown them in their own vomit if I intended <laughs> to wear their clothes afterwards but um so like there's so there's a that's the story for that is like you overhearing those two guys gives you the idea to learn how to make this drink because they say where the, they left the recipe over here you find the recipe and now you can go up and completely right I mean you're right in front of the guy you kill the guy right in front of you and no one has any idea he has no idea who you are it's great I, I think that's pretty cool it is cool yeah and you can do bigger you know there's things where like you can drop stuff on people or you can uh, you know go completely loud and just shoot people with machine guns or you I mean you can do whatever you can go crazy if you want you're not gonna get a high score but you can still probably you can still pull it off if you're good enough I think the um, biggest turnoff for me for the Hitman franchise is, in honesty, Agent Forty Seven. Oh yeah. He just he just has no personality. He just he's a bit of a blank slate. I think he is kind of funny, 
Like he, yeah, like the, he cracks some one-liners. He's a, he's surprisingly like the deadpan thing kind of like works into his advantage in places. I can't figure out what his act, they've had the same guy doing his voice for like the whole series. I think so. He sounds the same. I not can never found a quite good figure out what his accent's supposed to be. It's sort of like this weird blend of like flat American and like Eastern European because I think he is supposed to be like born in Romania or something like yeah. that. Yeah. He's just, I think you described it very well. He's a blank slate. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of part of the plot. Um, yeah. I is mean, that he's like, a, no, you're right. he's a, a, basically been abused, but he's kind of like a black widow sort of thing. He's like been programmed by this. And like this story, the story in these games is sort of like you're working for, I guess, a new, another hit agency service thing that doesn't really know where you came from. Because, uh, like, you used to, you know, the other game, I think Absolution was kind of the story of him getting out of the yeah. the, the company that he was brainwashed and raised by. And there's some there's some brutal stuff in that, like, you know. There is. He's I mean, got these some games are brutal. He's got some backstory stuff where, like, He's got, uh, you know, he's they, they raised all these kids with, the, you know, to be these kind of, it's sort of like Halo. Like, they raised these kids to be assassins, and, like, they take specific note of the fact that at one point he found a rabbit when he was, like, five, and and actually cared for the rabbit, and then the rabbit died, and he was upset, and there's, like, implications that they might have killed the rabbit just to see what he'd do. How he'd react, yeah. And, like, later he, like, he found a mouse and took care of the mouse, but one of the other kids, like murdered it or something and like he killed so he on a field trip or something he kills the kid and the agency figures it out but like they basically bring him in they're like very good but next time clean it up better like they're basically they're basically like like yes you did what you were supposed that is to act, that is good but and it's just like woo okay yeah. so, i think another thing that keeps me from playing these games is that i played a lot of the old ones and they weren't as flexible as the new games are a lot of them were Pretty linear as far as yeah. like, okay, do this, now do this, they were and more that like makes a, this guy go over here, and then you do this, and it makes this guy look the other direction. Yeah, it was like, a, the they were like puzzle games, yeah. almost. Like, it this was is, like trial and error a these lot. These are still like that, except like there's so many different ways to do everything that if you screw something up, there's probably four other ways you can figure it out from here that don't require to do what you screwed up That's doing. good. So That's... it feels less like a constant series of dead ends and more like a freeform sort of like, I'd like to do it the way, this way, but if I don't pull it off... I can at least find another I way to do it. I have a chance still. And yeah. uh, the other thing, of course, is uh, not on the, the, the top difficulty, the master difficulty, they disable saves. Oh, jeez. On normal difficulty, though, you have quick uh, auto saves constantly, and you can quick you can hard save as much as you want. And the other thing, it is uh, the, the challenges. So there'll be challenges. Like, there's, like, you know, often there's, like, over a dozen ways to kill some kill your targets in these, in these missions. And... Um, the nice thing is that the challenges count whether you finish the level or not. Oh, that's good. So say you get to say you get to a target you're trying to kill and you get them alone and now you have because of the things you've picked up along the way, you have like maybe four different ways to kill them. If you hard save, kill them one way, reload the save. Kill them a second way, reload the save. Kill them a third it way, saves reload it the, all. And it, when you get to the end of the level, it all counts. It that's great. It instantly oh, tabulates. I love that. You could actually quit out of the level and never finish it, and you still get get, get oh, them counted. Oh, cool! I, I think that's a great idea. So, so it's not they don't want you to have to play the game over. And once you finish it, the once you figure out it out, they kind of let you play a little looser. What um, about the story? How is it told? It's mainly told through uh, it's told through cutscenes, like you can see here. Um, so this is like the the very first thing you play. And by the way, this is the first thing you play. Like it starts up and you are playing this. There's yeah, this is no, the opening of the game. Yeah, the this way. is the op whole opening. Um, 
this, by the way, really assumes you've played the other, the, the previous game. Like, there is no tutorial, really, to tell you what, because, like, they kind of show you, like, okay, do this, that this is your next thing, hack this computer, to, and then once your targets show up, no help. Like, they're not, they're not helping you, and, like, I think they expect you to basically try what you're going to try, and if you've played through the whole first game, I bet you know exactly what to do. I was like, uh, I don't need to go over here and try this, so I kind of muddled my way through it and was not very clean, and once I went back and played the tutorial... Because the tutorial, they offer it to you after this, and it's the same tutorial from the previous game with, like, a re recreation of, like, a ship, like a cruise ship party or something. And um, after I'd done that, I could go back to this and play it like a pro. Like, I was like, oh, okay, now I know what you want me to do and how all this stuff works. Um, so it's, it, it teaches you pretty smoothly. But if you've played uh, the last game, I think you will do much better on this level than I did the first time. But I kind of thought it was cool that they just threw you in and were just like, okay, go. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, well, they, it sounds like the game is flexible enough that people can kind of fumble around and find their way anyway. Yeah, I didn't feel frustrated and annoyed the way I had on so many of the previous games. Oh, I, good. I felt like I felt like, oh, okay, I get this. And I, you know, if I was unsure of something, I could just hard save and try it, and if it didn't work, reload. Yep. And sometimes I get to the point where some, on some of these levels where I'm just like, really, that didn't work? But then, like, you know, it, it, it's... I just felt like I was being punished a lot more in the old games, and this one feels like it's ready to, to work with you a little better. Sounds like it allows you um, to be a little more creative, too. The one major difference I've noticed in terms of presentation is the, the, the story, the campaign from the first game, the previous game, has CG cutscenes between the levels, and in the Hitman 2 stuff... The cutscenes between the levels are like motion comics, nah. like the divorce from Square Enix. That Square Enix uh, money's gone. Yeah, the the, the, the budget <laughs> for the CG cutscene seems to be gone. So yeah. they're not bad. They're like you know, like the looks like the the character models like posed in places in environments and stuff. And they do like like have like motion in the background, but there's no lip sync. There's no moving around like normal people. It's clearly yeah. like a motion comic, like frozen. Cheap way to do sort of thing. Yeah. cinematics, yeah. And it's, you know, it's well- Full price game though, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, so it's, there's a couple new mechanics as I understand it. So like the, the game tabulates like point that scores. That grass looks really good. Grass is nice, yeah. <laughs> the game tabulates point scores for um, things you're doing as you're doing them, which apparently was not a thing in the, the previous game. So it's like, it's a little clear, like you'll, it's like, you'll get like, you get points for discovering a new area in a level, or you get points for like changing your disguise and stuff. And so there's there's more transparency basically as you play of what you're getting points for. Uh, and the other uh, thing is um, uh, you can blend with crowds, like Assassin's oh, like a, old Assassin's, Assassin's Creed, Creed style. Wow. Um, uh, so if you if you get in and you see it actually, it's the same thing as in like hiding in, in the reeds here. You'll see like if you if you see when he's near the edge or something, you'll see like a white circle around him. Uh -huh. So that is like, as long as nobody comes within that radius, they won't see you. Okay. So you can hide in crowds now and like just sort of blend with them. And like, I've, you know, so as long as your target or some, cause you'll see in some of the footage, you know, the guys with the, the, the white dots over their heads, that means they will recognize that you are not supposed to be where you are. Okay. If they see you. And so if you, if you're wearing like, say a bodyguard, if you like, strangle a bodyguard and steal his clothes and walk around as a bodyguard, a lot of the bodyguards won't realize who you are, but there'll be like guys who are supposed to be like, like, you know, like supervisors who know they're men and they know you aren't one of them. So they'll have the dot. Cause so you have to avoid the guys right. who like I get it. know who's there. 
Um, and sometimes you get some really clever ways. Like I like how how well it works, and like the logic of of what would work makes a lot of sense. Sometimes we're like, okay, so the bodyguards here know who I am, but I bet if I disguise myself as like a waiter, they won't care who I am. And sure enough, they none of Let's them know who you. the waiters are. Right. As long as you're allowed to be in that area, they'll, the bodyguards won't notice you because huh. you're, because. So there's actually like some logic going yeah, on. Yeah, because serv service staff are invisible to people who think they're above those people. I like that. So there's some some element. There's a little social commentary in there. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I guess dug so. that. Uh, and here's you, you get, once you, com you complete your assassination, you get to the exit. There's multiple exits. In not in this one. There's only one exit on this one. But usually there's multiple exits. Sometimes you can find like really creative new exits if you find the right items or discover the right thing over the course of the level. Well, it sounds like if you're someone like me who has not been a huge fan of Hitman in the past, this one might change your mind a bit. I mean, I am right there with you, and I, I kind of really dig this one. Wow. I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's a it. pretty game. It is pretty, and it's just the free the freeformness, and, like, once you get into really, like, completing, like, the serious challenges, like, yeah, it can get, it can get nitty-gritty in places, but just getting through it and finding different ways to do things, like, it all works really well. Like, it... Like, I'm very impressed as someone who has never really genuinely liked a Hitman game. I really do like this one. So, it's also a 100% stealth game. Yeah, like you... Which, like, we don't get those anymore. Stealth is mm -hmm. something that's wrapped into something else now. It's not, like, its own thing anymore. So, yeah. uh, if you've been pining for games like this, where it's just all about stealth, maybe you're an old Thief fan, or you're an OG Splinter Cell fan, this might be right up your alley. Yeah, and it's coming. It's available for all three platforms, right? Is it on Switch? No, three. Oh, three. Uh, PS4, Xbox, PS4, One, and Xbox, PC. PC. Yeah, and full price. Yes. All right. And then uh, if you already have Hitman One, you sh I think you just you do like a link thing or something with your IO Interactive account, and it gives you a code to get the. I think it's called the Legacy Pack, and it just, that brings all the the levels from the first the previous game into the new game okay gotcha so yeah, it's a big download like it's, yeah, like, it's, it a, like, it's it. like another 60 gigs or something because it's the whole first game basically right. but you can get them all and they all work in the new uh the new system they all show up in one menu and like you, it says prologue hitman hitman 2 and i think there's a, a patient zero which is the expansion for the last game yeah um and it's all right in there it's basically all the content from the first game including the weird little bonus stuff that was in the game of the year edition so it's a very complete package if you choose to do that all right so there you go that's hitman 2 coming straight at you maybe i'll give that a, a go here over yeah, the next bad. few days and uh maybe we'll talk about it again next they've week. come a long way from the uh i remember playing the original game and like you had to like press three buttons to pick something up yeah it yeah was, like, very awkward i'm pretty sure the guy who designed that interface now works for rockstar <laughs> All right, it's time for our trailer of the week. And for this week, there was just one choice. Yeah. Undoubtedly, one trailer that made it through the site this week that was the most commented, the most got the most one-ups, not even close. It is the debut trailer for the Detective Pikachu movie. Welcome to Rhyme City, a celebration of the harmony between humans and Pokemon. Tim, your dad was a legend in this precinct. If you were anything like your dad... I'm not. I remember. You wanted to be a Pokemon trainer when you were young. Yeah, that didn't really 
work out. Someone there? Whoever you are, I know how to use this. Oh, jeez. Here we go. I know. You can't understand me, but put down the stapler or I will electrocute you. Did you just talk? Whoa. Did you just understand me? Oh my god! You can understand me! Stop! I've been so lonely! They try to talk to me all the time. All they hear is Pika Pika. Uh, you can hear him, right? Pika Pika! Yeah! Pika Pika Pika, he's adorable. You're adorable. They can't understand me, kid. Can no one else hear him? I don't need a Pokemon, period. Then what about a world-class detective? Because if you want to find your pops, I'm your best bet. We're gonna do this, you and me. Together, and that magic is called hope. Listen up. We got ways to make you talk. Or mime. Yeah. So tell us what we want to know. Pipe. Yes, okay, I can. Shoving, pushing. My problem is that I push people away and then hate them for leaving. He's saying you can shove it. What? I can shove it? Okay, that's it. No, we're switching roles. I'm bad cop, you're good cop. No, 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 we're not cops. In my head, I saw that differently. Freaks me out, dude. That looks great. It really does. Like, I would never have thought that that project would turn out to be that, but damn. Like, it that freaks is freaks me out seeing the Pokemon like that. Sorry, I mean, that kind of what I always thought they'd look. I mean, I think. I could most never people, imagine what they look like. Most people, I think, thought Pikachu's fur would be a little shorter. Yeah. But, I mean, he is a mouse. Like, that's pretty yeah. much what a mouse well, looks like. Well, it's the way like. they draw him. Like, they don't give, like, yeah, the they jagged, don't... like, shag lines like they do for a lot of cartoon characters. Yeah. Well, I don't know if, like, they really decide. But I always kind of pictured most of the, the mammalian ones as looking kind of like a stuffed animal. Yeah. I just imagine that. them being smooth-skinned, I guess. But That would look weirder. I think would it? I, I think a naked mole rat version of Pikachu would be stranger looking in it's live possible. action. Possible. Yes. I thought all the Pokemon look bizarre in that trailer. I think they're supposed to Compelling, be. Compelling, but biz I know, but I think that's what it is. It's like seeing them personified yeah. in reality. It's freaky. Well, that is just not and 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 you know, that's not an art style you ever thought you'd see no. those characters in. Absolutely not. But I think they've done a great job because all the, you know, the city shots and things, like, you know what all those Pokemon yeah, are. Like, they did absolutely. a great... And, like, a couple of them are, like, some deep cuts. Like, they're not just going with red-blue stuff. Like, there's a couple of, of later editions in there. They're that not going, film is going to do huge. That is going to be... That, I'll, I'll predict right now, that is going to be one of the biggest box office hits of next year. And it is going to be the best video game movie ever made. Ooh, that's a bold claim. Well, no, it's really. not, really. But <laughs> I'm like, just going to say, if low. you want to talk about setting the goal, like the Iron Man style gold standard for how mo video game movies are made, that is what Detective... I, mark my words, Detective Pikachu is going to be video game movies Iron Man. Wow. Because they are not adapting the game, they are adapting the concept. Like you said right. when we were watching it, based on the worldwide phenomenon... Yes. Yeah. Don't remake the video game because video game stories suck. Yeah. Take the idea and make a movie out of it. Yeah. That's what they've done. It's also what they did with Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat 
while it was based on schlocky kung fu movies, was a schlocky kung fu movie, and it worked. Yeah. That's why it worked. Yep. You can't adapt the Hitman games into a movie twice. Twice. Those movies they made were two bad. Hitman Because, like you just said, who wants to watch a movie about that guy? Nobody. 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 <laughs> so, yes, I, am, I have very, very high expectations in terms of... I have very high success expectations for Detective Pikachu the movie, which is not a sentence I ever thought I'm I would record say. I'm going to record that. Well, actually, but we I think, are recording I think Ryan Reynolds might have a family-friendly Deadpool-style hit on his hands here. Interesting. I think Ryan Reynolds is going to uh, be very a very happy man after the, the opening weekend of that film. Okay, let's get to some questions. Although Danny DeVito was a pretty good pick by the fandom for that. But yeah, I, was, I thought it was going to be Danny DeVito. I had not realized it was just like fans hoping. Yeah, I, I, I was skeptical of Ryan Reynolds, but once I heard him talk in that trailer, I'm like, okay, yeah, it'll work. All right, here's one from W. Matthew. You have to answer one every week. Uh, there is speculation that Square is going to have Naoki <clears throat> Yoshida, the person who saved... Final Fantasy XIV to make the next Final Fantasy game. What do you think? For reference, his history both as a player and a dev is in online games. He grew up playing Ultima Online slash EverQuest. As long as somebody does it. Um, sure. I mean, like, I'm not an MMO fan, but I do know that everyone I know who played FF14 really likes it. Um, at least the, the post-vanilla game. Like, the expansion stuff is apparently very good. Yeah. Um, which I've just never... There's only so many hours in the day. <laughs> only so um, many hours in your life. Uh, so, yeah, that's not bad. And, like, you know, as much as, like, I'm knee-jerk inclined to be like, oh, I don't want to play an MMO-inspired Final Fantasy. My that's favorite, where I'm standing My favorite <laughs> Final Fantasy since Final Fantasy VI is Final Fantasy XII, which was very strongly MMO-inspired. It was, inspired. yeah. So, you know, he might come up with a winner here. And at the very least, it's got to be better than 15. Sorry. <laughs> My God, per- I hate that. My game. perspective is, as long as it takes five years or less, I'm cool. Yeah, that is also a good point. Yeah, <laughs> and I know that's just, not a very high just bar to get on with it. Oh my God! Like, there's no reason these games should take this long. Uh, let's see, SJ D Swanland, what are your thoughts on season two of Castlevania? I still haven't watched it. I actually totally forgot it was even there. I also have not watched it. Uh, sorry, man. Like, I've just been so freaking busy. I forgot it was even on Netflix. Maybe I'll watch some of it tonight while I'm waiting for the show to render. Uh, the Legacy. Have THQ Nordic sent you Darksiders yet? And how fast will they lower the price? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Darksiders uh, 3 is probably one of those... You might want to wait a couple weeks, <laughs> games. I have not got Darksiders 3 yet, but it doesn't come out still for a little bit. But uh, It was like the last week of this month or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not looking forward to it especially. There's been some... Uh, I've had a couple conversations with some colleagues over the last like few weeks, and uh, some people have played it. And uh, yeah, I think you would definitely want to wait on that one. I would not pre-order it. Uh, I'm still gonna because I'm a Darksiders fan. I am too, but man. Well, it's either that or we don't talk about it on the show in a timely manner, so I'm stuck. Yep. But uh, if I were just doing it for myself, I would probably wait until January when I can get it for 30. Yep. Uh, I hope everything's okay over at uh, THQ Nordic after all this crap because I don't know. I appreciate a lot of things they're doing, but I don't know how they're making any damn money on it. I don't either. You must have deep pockets somehow. 
here's one from Joachim Dragoon. Why does Square allow Nomura, Nomura to do what he wants without him being pushed out? It took him 10 years for Kingdom Hearts 3. Do you think he has too long, especially, or do you think he takes too long, especially compared to Western developers? Yeah. Yeah, I think we, ta we talked about that a bit at the <laughs> yeah, tail end of the Tabata that, part. Uh, that topic, but, but Yes, I do not understand why Nomura has carte blanche uh, to do all this crazy stuff and take forever. And, and then Tabata gets tossed. I mean, how in the world do you screw up on the level of versus 13 and continue to get the highest profile projects at the, at the company? I don't get it. I don't get it either. I mean... Cloud's a cool character design and all, but that was 21 years ago. Like, you can only be the golden boy for so long in the wake of, uh, uh, um, I just blanked on the guy who created Final Fantasy. Sakaguchi. I blanked too. Because Sak <laughs> once Sakaguchi got dismissed, Nomura kind of stepped into the role, but it's like, that was a long time ago, and maybe it's time to let the new blood have a shot. Yep. Maybe this, maybe this guy, uh, doing, uh. 16 could step in if 16 turns out to be a phenomenon. This we'll see. Here's a good question. Congrim 1. Reportedly, Elder Scrolls 6 and Starfield will not be getting a new graphics engine. Is Bethesda showing shades of Telltale using a dated and aging engine that repeatedly produces bug-ridden games? I just, I flat out don't believe that. There's no way. There's That's no way. That's really discouraging to hear. Where'd you, where was that reported? I've heard that a couple places as well on Twitter. I don't know what the source of it is. But I, you'd have to be out of your mind to try to move that engine further into another generation. There's no way. There's... I'm, I was, man, playing Fallout 76 on Xbox One. I don't know how anybody can play that and be like, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, if they do that, that is a massive mistake. And yeah. people are going to be so angry. Dude, if Elder Scrolls 6 has that graphics engine, yeah. people are going to well, be so how mad. How could it? If you're looking at the footage from the from that clip they even announced that, it with, yeah, even that, how could that be the it. same? Yeah, I mean, I, unless you're talking about fake. unless you're talking about bolting unbelievable numbers of new. Th I mean, you're talking about altering the Gamebryo engine to the point that like it's not even the that engine like anymore. CDPR altered the Aurora engine to make Witcher one. Like at that point, why don't you just do something new? I mean, look, sometimes you can work with the same engine and get good results. Treyarch has done a good job with its engine yeah. over the years and over the platforms. I mean, Black Ops 4 looks freaking great. So it but, can be done. But Blackout but, kind of pushing it to a degree it can't quite do. So, yeah, you're right. You know, like there's a point at which you have to admit that the old tech wasn't built for what the what the new hotness is. Yeah. And, and look, I look, Bethesda has shown no signs of that engine really evolving. No. And also, like, if they aren't doing a new engine, what in the world is taking so long? I don't know. Because, I mean, they didn't make Fallout 76. Like, they were clearly in an advisory capacity. But, like, what was the... So, the last game they made was Fallout 4. And by the time Starfield comes out, you're talking about, like, five years between games. What, what were they doing all that time? <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, I, I, on one hand, like, will it shock me? If that's the case, maybe not. But I would be... I don't know if... That, I, that sounds maybe like it's just, like, I don't know, anti-Bethesda rhetoric or something. Like, it, like, how would you not know it's time for a new engine yesterday? I mean, people were there. asking him that question three years ago, yeah. so... Uh, here's another good one. OCD Master 1. Do you think Microsoft would ever buy a Japanese developer? If it were to happen, which one would you like them to buy? Hmm... First question. Yes. Yeah, I think they might. 
Um, I think Microsoft would be surprisingly open to that. Yeah, I. I mean, part of me would like to see them buy platinum just to see all the fanboys' heads explode. Well, that was my choice as well. For which <laughs> like, one do you, would you like to see, see them buy? Like, if you're just talking about top quality, like. But that's, that's never going to happen because there isn't their relationship already sour over the last project they worked on together. In theory, but like, I don't know. We you still know. don't know what happened. Yeah, there. we really don't. Um, I mean, even if you are upset about the scale-bound thing, um, there's no denying that they make some of the best action games, so, like, it's somebody to have in your corner. It would be one of the best Japanese developers to acquire, Yeah, I would argue. The other one I would your say... Game, their games work both in the East and in the West. If you're talking about, like, kind of... I don't know what kind of situation they're in financially, but if you're talking about saving... A, you know, it'd be a situation where it's, like, sa saving them or letting them go out of business, I wouldn't mind seeing them acquire Grasshopper. Yeah, because what um, is going to happen to Grasshopper? I don't know. They're still... Plugging along. And you could probably buy them for nothing. Probably. Uh, you could buy them for all the uh, unsold digital copies of Dark Dreams Don't Die. <laughs> um, but I would like to see that that company continue because they, they, I know they're not a financial powerhouse or anything, but like they've made some of my favorite quirky little games in, in the last like 10 years. So I would like to see them, were they to get into dire financial straits, I'd like to see Microsoft swoop in and save them. All right, one last question. Also, maybe really stick it to Sony and form their form a new uh, Japanese development studio around Ueda. You know, now that he's left Team Eco. And yeah, all that. it's not a bad idea. Uh, J. Reed Vic 7. Uh, it feels like, as far as open world design goes, the industry has largely split down the middle. The Ubisoft approach with the biggest maps and more pound-for-pound -pound content than any other games on the market, but formulaic and repetitive. And the Rockstar slash CD Projekt Red approach with more tailored, high-quality content. Do you guys have a preference? I guess my preference How is... How do you like that he's comparing Red Dead to CD Projekt Red stuff? Mm. Are you okay with that? Because you don't like Red Dead that much, but obviously you're a huge fan of CD Projekt Red. I get what he's after in the sense that, like, you know... Witcher 3 and Red Dead are probably more more alike to each other than they are to Ubisoft's model in the sense that Witcher 3, you know, focuses on the narrative more like, you know, even the side stories in Red Dead Redemption 2 similar to Witcher 3 like have a strong narrative. You know, even the, the bounties aren't even, you know, the bounties have stories now in the in Red Dead Redemption 2, which I like. I like, you know, I like that approach that it seems like maybe they took some lessons there from The Witcher 3. Um, I don't think the storytelling is as interesting as it is in The Witcher 3, but I see what the comparison is there. I mean, obviously I prefer... My ideal would probably be something along the lines of what Ubisoft is doing in Assassin, the new Assassin's Creed games. But it's a good with, compromise. But with yeah. the attention to writing quality that Witcher 3 has. Like, if you could tell a Witcher 3 quality story and side quests in an Assassin's Creed Odyssey game design, that would be amazing. Yeah. A lot of people are throwing out From Software as a purchase target. That's a pretty good purchase target. That would be mean. Yeah. <laughs> like that to, would be like, cutthroat, though. That's that, the, I mean, that's what you got to do to win. That's I mean, yeah, the kind of right. thing Microsoft needs to do, yeah, absolutely. You're right. That, uh, honestly, is the better pick than Platinum, I think, for Microsoft. At the though, same time, you happen. are talking about, you know, Dark Souls games sell two to three million copies. Yeah. Like, they're not powerhouses. You don't make every acquisition to sell 10 million copies of each game. Yeah. but You, you do it to get that group of people on your platform, and then they buy mm -hmm. all those games plus all the Oh, I agree. That's why I think the Obsidian in Exile thing is a good choice. Yeah. Um, but like, like you know, 
you're talking about like buying something that's, somebody that's going to make you a crazy home run. That's not necessarily from software. I don't know if there are studios available for purchase that can do that. Yeah, you're right. They're all gobbled up, or uh, they used to have some, but they let them die. Yep. Thanks, Don Matrick. Yep. All right, so that's it for Game Face 148 right here on Sifted. Thanks to all you guys who stayed on the stream. Apparently, our stream went down again at a certain point. It just seems to be a recurring. Yeah, I'm whatever. pretty. I'm actually pretty sure that's my internet. Like the the entire the power in the entire block went out like about a month ago for a while, and like the internet has not been as stable as it normally should be. Since then, I don't think there's anything wrong with the equipment, but I gotta talk to Spectrum and figure out what the hell is going on. Appreciate you guys coming back and checking uh, the stream after it went down. Uh, the show is not over until I say it's up and out. So if it ever happens in the coming weeks, it the it's not us. Just refresh and everything should be okay. So thanks yeah, for sticking it's, it's, with it's us. It's like a little. It, basically, what happens is it's like a quick, literally seconds of disconnection that happens with the internet connection. And it comes back immediately. But yeah. that's that's long enough to cause a, a break in the Twitch stream. So yep. you just got to refresh it. It gets a split second. It happens when I'm on, like every you know, on my you know on Xbox Live on PlayStation Network. Playing Hitman, by the way, is very difficult when it does that because Hitman, you always have to be logged in. No, oh. because they they keep yeah you, you have to be online to to complete the challenge and do all this stuff. It's like which some people don't like. Like I, I get why some people don't like that because. There have been some nights when it's gone down it like four or five yeah. times, and I'm just like, well, i got to sit here and wait. Or it switches into like an offline save, which is a different thing. It doesn't record your progress the same yeah. way. So, yeah, I have definitely noticed it, and I'm trying to fix it, but it has not gotten there. Because we used to have no problems whatsoever yeah. for a long Rock time. Rock solid, yeah. But, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely my on my end. Yep. So I just want to say thank you. In fact, Sam, will you roll the give me credit crawl? So I just want to take a minute. Sam can get it to go. There it is. So I just want to take a minute to really thank our patrons who are giving us $30 a month or more. Uh, we run this during every game phase, and I don't want you guys to think that it's just something that runs along the bottom of the screen and we don't pay attention to it. Every month, I have to update this, and I have to go and remove people from the list who have dropped off our $30 tier, and I have to add new people who have joined the $30 tier, and the last few months, it just keeps getting shorter and shorter and shorter. But it just makes me appreciate the people who are on it all the more. So everyone's name who is scrolling down at the bottom right there, I just want to let you know that I have much love for you guys. And I really, really, really appreciate uh, you guys dedicating that much of your finances to Sifted. I don't know how much more I can say it or how more heartfelt I can be about it, but it really means a lot to me, especially when times are tough. Um, knowing that you have this core group of people that you're seeing right now on the bottom of the screen supporting you really means a lot. So I just want to say thank you. Um, I don't think I can say it enough because without you guys, none of this happens. So you guys are freaking awesome. Thank you again. Thanks to everybody who supports us on Patreon. Uh, but it's the people who really dig deep and give us that 30 bucks a month or more. You guys are making a sacrifice for us, and I really appreciate it. So... That's it for 148. We'll be back next week. I think next week we'll be talking Battlefield 5. And probably uh, Let's Go. Pokemon, Pokemon, let's, Pokemon go. let's Go. Yeah, so we should have another amazing show Battlefield next week. Battlefield 5 is all you, by the way. Yeah. I, I, I ain't paying money for I that. I knew that. <laughs>
Uh, EA's sending it to me, so I don't okay. have to pay for it either. So I liked what I played in the beta, but like it, that whole thing is just such a disaster right now. I'm going to wait until they get more stuff out in March or whatever. I'll jump on that grenade. But you do. Yeah, <laughs> literal grenade. I'll, <laughs> literally. Deal, I'll deal with a Pokemon. <laughs> All right, guys and girls. Thank you so much for your support. Thanks for hanging, us with, hanging with us on the stream. Game Face is up and out.